The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. Report 16. Londinium. It took me a moment to realize that I had left the mists and entered Londinium. The streets were so choked with fog that I could scarcely see more than an arm's length before my face, and I thought at first that the blurred outlines of buildings around me were of the sorts of vague images that one's mind conjures to break the monotony of the mists. Not until I heard a child crying for help did I know that I had arrived. I am certain that my patron will mock my powers of perception here. Doubtless his eyes would have pierced the fog and seen the truth of his surroundings the very moment he set foot in Londinium. Alas, he is forced to rely upon my meager talents as I struggle in vain to think and formulate solutions to everyday problems. I had intended to spare my patron an exhaustive report detailing every strategy that I employed in Santa Cecilia, summarizing only my magical efforts to show him that his gifts were being well used. Otherwise, he might accuse me of neglecting to use them, as he did in Flint's Archipelago. It seems that my patron desires a more thorough accounting of my actions. You will find a more detailed report attached to this one, Yensid, and I do hope that you find it enlightening." I ran toward the child's voice. Every turn I took on the streets is detailed in the attached notes. But when I arrived, she was gone. All that remained were the prints of a man with a peg leg. A man I would soon learn was a lieutenant of the dreaded Lord of Londinium's underworld. While a queen ostensibly rules Londinium, its true ruler is one who styles himself as the world's greatest criminal mind, Professor Radigan. Welcome to Wonderful World of Dark Lords. I'm Tom. I'm Rachel. And we're discussing how to convert Disney movies to Ravenloft Domains of Dread because of the Venn diagram overlap of Vincent Price. Along the way, we'll look at the Dark Lord, the domain itself, and some plot hooks and adaptation ideas to integrate this setting into your own campaign. Today's episode, The Great Mouse Detective. Um, I believe you mean Basil of Baker Street. Yes, the, Basil the of Baker Street. The animation department is going to throw a giant hissy <laughs> fit. There was a whole thing about it, yeah. Yes. If you haven't heard about the behind the scenes, the books were called the Basil of Baker Street yes. books. And the animation department wanted to call them that. And marketing was like, no, Great Mouse Detective is more marketable. Uh -huh. And it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. thing. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, as mentioned, here we have the glorious, golden, mellifluous pipes of <laughs> Vincent Price playing our villain of this movie, Professor Radigan, who is this book series and movies version of Professor Moriarty. And if we can get Vincent Price in an episode, if we can have our podcast feature Vincent Price, gosh dang it, we have to. <laughs> he is not directly a source of Ravenloft, but sometime I'll give you my theory about mm -hmm. the Roger Corman Poe movies' influence on <laughs> Borka. I love when you whisper sweet nothings to me. <laughs> Quick note before we dive into our specifics. Uh, Great Mouse Detective and Battle of Baker Street as the book series and hearts of animators called this movie <laughs> is a sort of secret world of animals series. If you remember, if you've seen Great Mouse Detective, the idea is there is this human world and then the mice have their own little version of that world like underneath. So yeah, there are humans, but mice also wear clothes and solve murder mysteries and have a royal family, and that's where most of our action is. Like Basil lives in Sherlock Holmes's basement uh -huh. and Queen Mouse Toria lives in Buckingham Queen Palace's Buckingham basement. basement. Yeah. Yeah, we're not doing that. That's just a kind of a conceptual nightmare for the idea <laughs> of a and D setting for your players to go into. So we are not doing mice in a human world. We are not having our version of Basil Baker Street be a mouse. We are just doing a human world. 
a human world inspired by the Basil Breaker Street books by the great mouse detective with one significant mm -hmm. exception. And that exception is the person we're going to begin our discussion of the podcast with our dark lord of this setting, Professor Radigan, Professor Pedrag Radigan, if you mm. want to bring some of the book stuff in, give him a first He's name. Irish? Yes, yeah. yeah. In a section that we like to call The Lord. The Lord. Radigan's precise origins are a mystery. I was unable to determine whether Professor signifies an actual history in academia or simply an affectation he has taken on to proclaim his intelligence. I have attached all of my research from Londinium's public record office, lest my patron accuse me of overlooking something. What is known is that Professor Padre Radigan has his fingers in virtually all criminal activity in Londinium, and there is much activity for him to oversee. From gangs of thugs who murder and rob for him, to corrupt officials who abet his smuggling and embezzling operations, Radigan's empire cuts across all social strata. Matters have only grown worse since the death of Radigan's greatest rival, a detective known as Basil of Baker Street. Basil was always able to foil Radigan's plans before they came to fruition. With him gone, there was no check on the criminal underworld save a hapless and overwhelmed police force, many of whom were on the professor's payroll. An emboldened Radigan has proceeded to concoct ever more elaborate and far-reaching schemes, as if mocking the police for their inability to stop him. Rumors persist that many of Radigan's enforcers are monstrous in some way. Lycanthropes and undead are said to serve in his ranks, and he supposedly has a trained wyvern who devours incompetent minions. Apparently, the quickest way to draw Radigan's ire is to assert that he himself is a lycanthrope, specifically a were-rat. After Basil foiled his attempts to kidnap the Queen and claim the crown for himself some years ago, multiple eyewitnesses saw him transform into a massive, slavering sewer rat. Even though his monstrous nature is now a matter of common knowledge, Radigan sees to it that anyone who publicly remarks on it is silenced. Multiple journalists in Londinium have been blackmailed, beaten, or found dead in the sewers, as if to make a point as to who the true sewer rat is. So... If you're listening to this, you presumably know what a Radigan is, and if not, you definitely have to know what a Vincent Price is. But you... <laughs> and you certainly know what a Moriarty is. Yes, right. Let's that's try finding someone that doesn't. <laughs> but you might not know what a Dark Lord is if you're just one of those adult Disney nerds. It's like, oh, great Master Detective, I love it. I'm gonna click on this. I don't care what it is. <laughs> no one welcome, welcome. Yes. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Enjoy our series. I promise you'll like the rest of it. Listen to the other episodes. But for those people, Rachel, what is a Dark Lord? Well, a Dark Lord is an evil being who commits some kind of act of ultimate darkness that makes the Dark Powers say, Why, hello, new friend, we want to play with you forever. And so they pick them up and they put them in a domain that is a special hell created just for them. There are good Dark Lords... And there is a second edition ICAF. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, sh I'm shaking it up. Yeah, it? right. Yeah. <laughs> Xian Chang was incomprehensible in second edition. You were all ready for the Earth <laughs> and Karkov thing. And I give the guy a break. Yeah, I rag on him enough. Mm -hmm. So we've decided on four factors that kind of separate the... 5th edition Sin Shangs from the 2nd edition Sin Shangs. <laughs> and we're going to go through these four qualities and how they apply to the Dark Lord who is 
always been fantastic. Uh-huh. The, the, the mold from which all other Dark Lords are cast. And then we're going to discuss how these four qualities apply to Professor Radigan. So the first quality is that act of ultimate darkness. Strahd killed his brother because he wanted to get with his brother's fiance. The second quality is what they call in 5th edition the Torment. What we call, because we're a Disney mm-hmm. podcast, they got what they wanted, they lost what they had. Adult Disney nerds, you clicked on the link, listen to our Princess and the Frog episode. <laughs> <laughs> and in Strahd's case, it was that you know he has power, he has eternal youth, because he thought that Yana wasn't into him because he was old. His brother is out of the way. Oh, yeah, so it's Tiana. Uh-huh. But she's going to be coming back constantly just to make him crazy. <laughs> the third element is an element of tragedy or relatability. They're not just evil for the sake of being evil. There's something in them that makes us cringe in recognition. And in Strahd's case, it's that unrequited love is really awful. And then the fourth element is that the domain reflects the Dark Lord and their curse in some way. Uh, Strahd is not the Dark Lord of Icaf. Or Ekath, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Apologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the Dark Lord of Barovia, so he's all gothic and vampires and wolves and mist and all the all the fun vampire things. And it's also a lonely, boring mud slump because it's kind of reflecting that curse of loneliness of not being with Tayana. So for Professor Radigan, there are a couple of these that fit very well and that sort of inspire us to make him a Dark Lord and want to do this. This is another one of those movies where we pretty much wanted to do Great Mouse Detective from the beginning for a bunch of reasons that we're going to get into. But part of it is there are a number of these that connect with Professor Radigan. And the first of our criteria that we're going to talk about Professor Radigan with is that act of ultimate darkness. This we don't really have a good one for. Yeah. (laughs) There is not a specific thing origin story we get in the movie or in any of the books and i read them all (laughs) they were short it was fast but honestly at this point it's irrelevant speaking of eric von karkov we talked about how he kind of became a dark lord for being bad like just sort of nondescript i guess he did some bad stuff Mm -hmm. and this is one where like that's not a cop out it's Mm -hmm. like he's he's, moriarty he's moriarty (laughs) he's done so much bad stuff you have your choices if you wanted to connect it with the movie it actually could be his whole plan in the movie to replace the queen with a robot and or more specifically morally interestingly the like almost killing olivia flaversham a couple of times Mm -hmm. to thwart basil like that could be the act of ultimate darkness the one we're going with in the write-up of the infinite (laughs) constellations of possible evil actions is in the world's greatest criminal mind, glorious, glorious Uh, villain song. Radigan! Radigan! (laughs) I hope that was the free space on the video car. Yes. (laughs) There was a line about the Tower Bridge job that made Londoners sob. And then there's also the line, like, worse than the widows and orphans you drowned. (laughs) And apparently there was a deleted line where it was going to be saying, building on that saying, basically, that they, like, shoved a bunch of people into the river from London Bridge and then would shoot them if they surfaced. Like, whoa, holy God, like... Yeah, and then just the higher-ups like, absolutely not. What are you thinking? No. You're lucky when you get away with this worse than the widows and orphans you drowned line. So that is our 
specific just because for our purposes for doing this as a write-up on DMs Guild of the domain, it has to include a specific act of ultimate darkness. That's what we're doing. Because that's, that's even pretty worse than I would say, yes. <laughs> and then we have the torment. And this is where we're getting into a little bit more interesting specifics to Radigan and also where we're getting into some of our like story, what we're doing with this domain. So you have that really interesting thing, like in the song mm-hmm. World's Greatest Criminal Mind, where if anyone calls, he's obviously a rat, right? He's obviously a rat. Mm-hmm. He has all the characteristics. He has the different number of fingers. He's got the tail. He's huge. He's obviously a rat, but he insists that he's a mouse. And he feeds the poor drunk henchman <laughs> who calls him a rat to Felicia. And like just gets really upset, really clearly gets under his skin when anyone calls him a rat. And we mentioned we're mostly imagining humans or just other random, you know, D&D equivalent of humans. But we have a great analogy of that, which is having him be a were-rat. Mm-hmm. So in our version, he is a were-rat. And it's just kind of known he's a were-rat. And he really hates that that's known. It pretends it's not true. And if you mention it, he will feed you to his, his pet dragon or whatever. Well, oh, oh, we have stuff. Yeah, we'll get to Felicia. He'll feed you to, <laughs> he feeds you to Felicia. And... So that right there, that kind of ongoing, like, itch in his brain, that impossible desire to sort of pretend he's not the thing he is, like, that's a good in for a torment. And then on building on that, we even have this scene at the end, really, really good scene at the end, where, you know, Basil's completely foiled his plan, and Basil's getting away, and he just, like, hulks out. He just mm-hmm. rips off his, like, fancy clothes, his, like, claws seem to come out of his, his uh, hands, and he just is this monstrous rat chasing Basil. And you get the whole, when he rats out... The thing that he really values about himself is that he's the greatest criminal mind. Uh-huh. He's the superior mind of this and that. And when he rats out, his higher reason is gone. Yeah, he's just feral. Just all that stuff he values about himself, he loses. So there, there's, a, there's a really cool torment there. So the torment all comes from that sense of that lack of self-control and that lack of that higher reason. And that kind of takes two forms. And the, it all comes down to that quote that you're going to hear a whole bunch this episode, mm-hmm. the superior mind. You know, when he thinks he's won, he's got Basil on the death trap. I have a prediction for what our ideal is going right. to be. <laughs> and the, the glorious Vincent Price delivery, we're like, I've won! The superior mind has triumphed! And he's obsessed with proving he's the superior mind. So the general torment is the lack of respectability. That, like, he wants to be respected, he wants to be acknowledged as a superior mind. Oh, and then there, I, I, just, I just thought of it yeah. with, with this thing, the whole, like, if he's the superior mind, then clearly he's a person. Right, yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can tie that uh. in, yeah, <laughs> if he's the superior mind. And that'll never happen because his rat nature will always mean, like, when he gets angry, when he gets upset, he'll turn into this hulking feral monster. So he cannot ever sort of win... I'm air quoting. In society, he can never win as the superior mind because he's a were-rat. Mm-hmm. That changes when he gets angry. And in a more specific torment to that, this is kind of the really specific, you'll never get to be with Tajana style torment, is he'll never beat Basil. Mm-hmm. That no, Basil always will beat him. That's his his fondest, dearest dream in life, is to beat Basil. 
because that's his worthy opponent. That's the, in his mind, the second greatest mind in Mousedom. <laughs> and that if he can beat definitively and absolutely beat Basil, then he can sort of like, see, the superior mind has triumphed. I am the superior mind. And I can just sort of rest easy in that. I don't have that annoying anxiety anymore, or I like to call it torment. But honey, if his specific torment is that he'll never beat Basil, and Basil is his main rival, who's like the greatest mm-hmm. detective in all of Mousedom, what are the PCs going to do? Because Basil huh. is clearly the PC. That sounds like a discussion we had to have in planning <laughs> this episode. Very lengthy discussion we had. Long, ta- long back and forth. This was a similar problem to what we had with Robin Hood. Yes. That Robin Hood is such a PC, and he's so proactive, and not only that, but his rivalry with Prince John is such a huge part of Prince mm-hmm. John's torment that you know we had this with Belle we mentioned we had to kill Belle in Beauty mm-hmm. and the Beast because she's a PC but you know <laughs> all that matters is that she's the best it didn't have to be Belle specifically she doesn't have to be part of Gaston's torment mm-hmm. Robin Hood and Basil both have to yes. be part of their respective Dark Horse so torments. the takeaway is don't be a PC in a Disney movie if the Colors get their hands on you <laughs> because like Belle like Robin Hood, we've killed off Basil. <laughs> or have we? <laughs> so, our backstory. Basil's his great rival. Basil's his counterpart. Basil's his worthy opponent. They have framed pictures of each other on each other's <laughs> walls. It's very intense. Who was it who described him as the most I think Lindsay Ellis, the yeah. world's most extra ex-boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> but they made, they made their breakup everyone's problem. <laughs> and we're doing a version... Since the, the wonderful thing about this is we have not only Great Mouse Detective, not only the books, but the whole corpus of Holmesania. <laughs> we have the whole canon of Sherlock Holmes to draw from and all of the various iterations. And, you know, this is one of the archetypes of, like, our cultural entertainment Yeah, is Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Just endlessly iterated character concept, a dilemma, and that usually includes Professor Moriarty. Mm-hmm. So, you might be familiar with, even if it's just from the Benedict Cumberbatch series, there's this death of Holmes at Reichenbach Falls. That that's Moriarty, clashes with Holmes, and Holmes seems to die. And that's kind of where we're coming in. We're coming mm-hmm. in between seasons two and three of Sherlock. Like, <laughs> that he, Moriarty, is after Basil, he tracks him to Reichenbach Falls, he has this trap planned, He's, he's up there waiting for them. He knows they're planning a visit. This is all from the, the story, the book, and the, the Holmes book, not the Eve, what's her face book? <laughs> Eve Titus book. That would be a bit grim. Yeah. But. Jeez. So. <laughs> Basil of Rainbow Falls. Yeah. <laughs> so he's waiting there, and he's got this person planning to just like to go and get Watson, which in our case is Dawson, to distract him to take him back to the hotel so he can confront Holmes one-on-one and they can have their, like, you know, epic final battle, ultimate showdown of ultimate death. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited, and hours went by, and nothing. So finally he's like, what the heck, Basil? <laughs> I was I was annoyed when you were 15 minutes late. It's been like six hours. Were my clues too subtle? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was not trying to be subtle. Like, with a, with a legitimate, like, air of confusion comes down the mountain... Goes back to, like, the village and discovers that when Basil and Dawson were traveling up the path, like, Basil stopped to look at something, tripped, fell over the mountain, and died. (laughs) Or, like, had an aneurysm. Yeah, just, like, grabbed his heart. (laughs) Slipped and tumbled over the mountain. Just, Basil had some completely anticlimactic Just just the stupidest. Stupid. Like, 
beyond George R. R. Martin random, mm-hmm. like getting a paper cut and dying of sepsis. Like, no, this was just <laughs> the, the most embarrassing death possible. <laughs> yeah. No. So this is it. This is the heart of the torment of where we're coming into the story right now. Basil is gone. He died completely stupidly. Completely outside of Radigan's Yeah, it wasn't like anything. a tripwire he yeah. put. No, it was just... I kind, of, I kind of like the idea of it being like an aneurysm or a heart attack rather than even tripping and falling yeah. off Reichenbach Falls because then it's at least, well, well, Radigan could tell himself that he was the yeah, one who yeah. lured him up to Reichenbach Falls. No, this was just, he was going to have a heart attack anyway. <laughs> so he never beat Basil and he never will beat Basil and he never even got to see him die. And Rachel, if they're basically of an age with us, <laughs> what is a, a Kohler generational bingo nerd reference that might be relevant here? That this, you is, of? this is actually, I, I thought of this comparison, and it was the thing that made the entire yeah, yeah. Basil Dies Stupidly and Pointlessly story come together, because we were really struggling with like how to not just have this be Prince John and Robin Hood all over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... My fellow Xennials, <laughs> I remembered the absolutely genius Batman the Animated Series episode, The Man Who Killed Batman, R.I.P. Kevin Conroy and Arlene Sorkin, yep. I miss you. And in that one, it's this, like, random schmuck who's... Just absolute penny-ante thug. Doing lookout duty for Rupert Thorne. <laughs> It looks like he accidentally pushed Batman off a building, like, into a propane tank that explodes yeah. and Batman dies. And, like, a bun- all the other people in, like, the job saw this happen. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh my gosh, you killed Batman. And the Joker loses <laughs> his ever-loving yes. mind. <laughs> because he didn't get to be the he one didn't who get- killed Batman. Like, if, if Radigan had killed Basil in his elaborate death trap with theme record playing and, like... <laughs> photo picture to have a photo of it happening he'd be okay he I, be. I th- honestly i think he still wouldn't be okay because he, he'd be sad after a while but he'd have something yeah and like he'd tell himself he was yes. happy. he would tell himself he was happy mm-hmm. but in this case he doesn't even get the satisfaction of the framed photo of basil <laughs> being killed and just golly <laughs> that is going to gnaw at him every day of his life and like you can't even enjoy in the episode rachel mentioned like they rob a jewelry store to see if batman is gonna come stop them and joker's just getting increasingly antsy that batman hasn't showed up yet (laughs) and then he orders them to put all this stuff back it's like "Eh, it's not fun anymore (laughs) so we get to see joker depressed (laughs) yeah like there's no there's no fun there's no joie de vie there's no spark so like this should be Radigan ascendant like Basil's Basil's out of the picture and he can be the Napoleon of crime and he can like spread his tentacles of his underworld empire all over this domain which we'll talk about later but it's not regular crime isn't even fun anymore mm-hmm. because he doesn't have his opponent like he doesn't have anyone to checkmate. And or try to checkmate or to think around, and it's just boring and predictable and too easy. And how is he ever going to prove he's a superior mind? Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not. But part of our thing, you'll notice, I kept saying he, he, he Basil fell off the side of the falls because there was never a body recovered, or like maybe a body was found days later that's like barely recognizable. I'm like, well, I guess it's Basil. Mm-hmm. But Radigan is 
absolutely convinced, desperately convinced that Basil is alive. Mm -hmm. That this was all part of an elaborate plan of Basil's to get him. And that is kind of the only thing keeping him going. (laughs) Is the hope that this is a genius counter move that Basil made to his to his move and that he's fooled everyone and he's fooled everyone but he hasn't fooled me <laughs> he's out there plotting against me right now oh please let him be plotting against me right now <laughs> so that's kind of the only thing keeping him going is yeah. so this is our sort of reverse Prince John mm-hmm. whereas with Prince John was sort of desperately haunted by the memory of Robin Hood and the terror that Robin Hood is still alive. And he was convinced Robin Hood was dead, but no one believed it. Rattigan is like the founder and president of the Basil is Secretly Alive fan club. Mm-hmm. Like He's on the message boards writing his elaborate fiction, analyzing every detail of the scenario to prove he's alive. He's haunted by the terror that Basil is not alive. Mm-hmm. That was a long wind-up for our torment, but I think you'll agree that's a pretty good torment. <laughs> So, our element of tragedy and relatability, this is our, less so because he is so hammy and theatrically over the top, like, not a lot of ourselves see ourselves in Radigan, I think. If you do, good for you. You're a really cool person. As Ivan Delisnia on Twitter, I do not not see myself in Radigan. (laughs) You are a cool person, so. Thank you. A couple points that you, you, I think especially the one we've spun out. I think is a, is a bit more sympathetic character because it's such a delicious torment. Mm-hmm. And number one, we all want attention. You know, we can all kind of understand that basic idea of he has this temper. You know, he he's the Hulk. He has this temper he can't control, and that's going to sort of destroy people's respect for him. And that's going to mean that people don't respect him. And even if that's not a thing you you understand, you could probably at least empathize and imagine a character that has that kind of tragedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've just got this temper they can't control and it means they always lose their cool, which means they're just desperate to sort of prove uh, to earn respect, but they can't. And also there's... Some of us again. This is this is my, this might be for my my little my little overachiever uh, <laughs> self. My little Mei from Turning Red is, uh, is coming out here. But listeners, I think at least some of you might also be Mei from Turning Red. <laughs> and there was somebody else who wanted to be first chair flute, <laughs> or who wanted to be valedictorian, or like wanted to get the lead in the school play. Whatever it is, you know you know the thing that you're thinking. Right? About, yeah. You know? Yeah. And man alive, didn't it feel good when you beat them? Or didn't it feel horrible when they beat yeah, you? Yeah. Like, there's, there's, mm, we've, a, a lot of us have been there. I can't say we've all been there, but a lot of us have been there. And once again, that even, I, I don't think I have a specific rival from high school. I know exactly who yeah, I'm I thinking of. I know you're thinking of. <laughs> I know you're thinking of too. Um, but even. If you're like me and you don't, that you can feel that. You can feel the, the you can imagine a rivalry. And you can imagine there's someone and like, one of you is the smartest person in London. One of you is the second smartest person in Mousedom. And you're pretty sure you want what you want to be true, but you really want to prove it's mm-hmm. you. That you're number one and they're number two. And that you are the superior mind. And the idea that then you can never do that. You can never have this sort of definitive resolution. Like, I hope with our description of Basil's pointless death and what this means for Radigan, you had that little wince of like, oh, that's rough, buddy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's rough. Fair. <laughs> oh, wow. That, 
That would suck. Like, <laughs> that'd be horrible. So, as I said, a smaller and I think a little less heartstring tugging element of tragedy and relatability than some of our Dark Lords, but hopefully enough to give you that just wince of sympathy for the villain that I think all the great Dark Lords should should at least elicit. And then we have a another area to expand a lot, another area that's one of our main reasons we wanted to do this movie. <laughs> the domain reflecting the Dark Lord and the personality. So, Rachel, what do we what do we got here? We got a baby potential horror setting. Uh got, I don't know, London by Gaslight. Yeah, London by Gaslight, yeah. people. No one's, no one's ever no one's ever yeah. been able to get any horror out of London by Gaslight. Yeah, no, it's 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 Victorian London. Yeah. It's yeah, you it's you've got you've got so much to work with here. Yeah. And there's a lot that we're not going to expand on in a massive detail for the domain section because mm. we are going off of what we saw in the movie. Mm-hmm. But you can do a lot with these London by Gaslight themes. You can you can dive into a lot of Jekyll and Hyde stuff. Yes, yes. That um, Victorian London plus Incredible Hulk slash Werewolf uh-huh, equals, equals Jekyll, Jekyll and, and Hyde. Hyde. Yeah. And so there's you know so much of like the themes of repression, the themes of respectability, the themes of the seedy underbelly. You can have it be that there are like people who look so respectable and who you know, seem like the the most upstanding citizens, but they're on Radigan's payroll. Lots of people leading double lives, lots of crime. It's it's super easy to do a Jekyll and Hyde thing here. It's super easy to. If you wanted to really up the sympathy, you know, we're not super upping the sympathy because he's mm-hmm. a glorious hammy villain, <laughs> uh, but to have it be this sort of a fundamental hypocrisy of people's kind of judgment and rejection of him for being aware of mm-hmm. Like, to say no, sort of deep down, they are just as bad. They mm-hmm. are just as sort of base and feral and animalistic as he is. And it's just to sort of make themselves feel better. They're rejecting him as monstrous and as base because he's a werewolf. Mm-hmm. But deep down, they're also rats. Yeah, deep down, they're all rats. And if you're hearing Jekyll and Hyde duality, mm-hmm. especially my fellow grognards, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, that sounds like Nova Vasa, put a pin in yeah, that. We're gonna we're gonna get, make, yeah, we're going to get to that. Also, if you're thinking, London by Gaslight, that sounds like Peridon. Put a pin in that, and too. Then, <laughs> this is what's going along like the old material stuff. <laughs> Because, yeah, just this is, this is... It's not even my birthday. Yeah, this is... There's more in the old material section. But London by Gaslight, Victorian London, is such an iconic horror milieu. Not just an iconic horror location in terms of it's like it looks spooky. But it's it's got these really rich themes and really legendary works of the genre to draw on as themes and inspiration that, like, it is a huge gap in the uh, 5 e Ravenloft. Mm-hmm. There's not a kind of London by Gaslight, Victorian-y, steampunk-y, smoky, dark megalopolis mm-hmm. horror setting to do. Uh, Zerissia is the, like, island cluster the Paradon was originally in. I think it was Zerissia that yeah. got the, uh, the, like, one paragraph write-up. Mm-hmm. And there were a bunch of people commenting that it is a crime that Zerissia didn't get a, like, full yeah, yeah, write-up yeah. because it's yeah. such a iconic Ravenloft-type setting. And fortunately, that leaves a place for mm-hmm. us, a, a absence, a gap for us to fill. It's not like Cinderella, who were like, well, new day, Monlu. Yeah, right. What else we're going to do? Check, <laughs> we're, we're still working on it, because well, it's iconic Disney, but everything we come up with, Damon Lou. remains great, but yeah. yeah. 
Anyway. They might do that. Yeah. But as much as our heart longs to start digging into the setting <laughs> and about a great horror Ravenloft setting this is, we are going to finish our sort of discussion of our Dark Lord, who is the sort of reflection, the shadow side, the hide to Basil's Jekyll of this this steampunky Victorian London by Gaslight setting. We are bound to our formats mm-hmm. as much as inside we are feral rats who <laughs> desire to do things in whatever order we want. We must keep ourselves together and continue along our outline to discuss Grant against special Dark Lord powers. Right. So the Dark Lord write-up for him. This is one where like the stat block similar to it really easy. He has that <laughs> similar to a where rat. Uh, one obvious change is the intelligence, that he mm-hmm. is the Napoleon of crime, he is a genius, he is either slightly smarter or slightly less smart than Basil, depending on who you ask. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the Dark Powers have their answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but easy int 18. Like, easy int 18. Like, honestly, this is one where you, like, give the NPC an int of, like, 920, and, like, you maybe wouldn't be overdoing it. Yeah. But the easy int 18... And the great thing is, presumably, you are not a Napoleon of crime. <laughs> if you are, please use some of your ill-gotten games to donate to us. And that tricky problem of, like, you want to have a villain that's a super cool, like, chess master, manipulator, Moriarty-esque figure, but that's, you know, not you. Mm-hmm. But you have that built-in advantage of overhearing the PC's conversations. <laughs> Knowing their plans. Knowing their plans. And normally that would be the most annoying thing in the world. That would be like a classic gaming horror story. That the GM would always have the villain know the PC's plans. But in this case, it's it might still be annoying, but it's like, yeah, okay, it's Moriarty. Spoilers for challenges, by mm-hmm. the way. Anytime you kind of go, oh my gosh, that sounds so annoying. Put a pin in that. Yeah. We're aware that it can be annoying if yeah, it's improperly yeah, yeah. used. We're going to get into some great too. detail in, in challenges, because, man, having Moriarty as your big bad has the potential to be off. <laughs> and also, like, an obvious one to kind of go off the Basil surprise party is that he gets advantage on initiative. He anticipates you. Uh, a lot of times he'll get that surprise round. Um, and the nice thing, Rachel thought of this, that it, he does not have that in were-rat form. That when he were-rats out, when he turns into this hulking beast, he actually has disadvantage, the regular were-rat, like Int and Wisdom stats. He has disadvantage on Int or Wisdom rolls. He has mm-hmm. disadvantage on initiative rolls because he is just this feral monster now. And actually, as, as we were discussing this and talking about his, you know, hulking out and going totally feral as a were-rat, that... You could even say that that's a thing that's happened to him since he became the Dark Lord. That mm-hmm. That's like a curse from the Dark Powers. Ooh, I like that, And yeah. it used to be that he was able to control himself more and wear at form mm-hmm. than our powers. So, like, let's, let's do something about that. I think, no. And obviously, sort of the one aspect of the Napoleon of Crime is the strategic genius. The other is the giant army. That he has this enormous underworld network. He is the spider in the center of a web that spans the domain from the, like height of corrupt government officials embezzling millions to the, you know, petty housebreakers and vice peddlers and uh, seedy dive bars. He has his finger in all that and all answers to him. And to quote Dr. Facilier, our, our source of our, <laughs> our torment description, the real power in this world isn't magic, it's money, buckets of it. And he has this just massive network of money, of power, of corruption, 
and that is as effective as any kind yeah. of magic ability he might have. And we mentioned we're coming back to a long last. We talk, we're circling back to one of the things we said <laughs> we talked back to, and that is Felicia. And Felicia's amazing. And she we have, is we amazing. We have to have a version of Felicia. And we were looking for a good version, and we came up with just bit for base monster manual, probably a Wyvern. Mm-hmm. That's very dragon-like. Because Felicia's a dragon. dragon. Yeah. Like, look at her. She's yeah. a dragon. She's obviously a dragon, yeah. But you, uh, D&D dragon is this kind of super-wise, powerful, like, sentient creature. It doesn't quite work for what they do with Felicia. Felicia's still kind of a pet, and that it's a little too, like, setting disruptive, I think, to have, mm-hmm. like, a random dragon in Victorian London. <laughs> so it's a wyvern, which gives us the more animalistic dragon, but in the write-up they even mention, you know, if you raise the wyvern from uh, an egg, then it'll be this, like, fiercely loyal bodyguard protector, although you have to be really careful because plenty of people have done that and still gotten eaten. But mm-hmm. you know what Radigan isn't going to be eating. No. Like, he's, he's smart enough, wise enough, strong-willed enough that he just has the, like, loyal protector with him. And he's got this little bell, and he can ring it, and where it, it sort of calls out wherever Felicia is. She hears it, and she knows where he is, and she knows to come to him. It's like a magic-sending bell. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You know D&D stuff. D&D stuff. Um, we've got uh, the other sort of big minion that does a lot that we see in the movie is Fidget. Well, so if you want to have Fidget, sure, he's got <laughs> Fidget. Um, we, it was tricky, but then Rachel Googled it and there are werebat stats in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So you can pull that out. You can have your werebat. And then finally to bring in a thing from the book, uh, in the books later, he gets this sort of right-hand man named Captain Duran, who's sort of the Eve Titus, great mouse detective version of Sebastian Duran. And so that's great. Let's have that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it absolutely makes sense he'd have his own version of Watson. Yes. His slash Dawson. That he would have his, like, loyal right-hand man who, taking from the, the Sherlock stuff, is this, like, amazing sniper. Mm-hmm. And that is just a great, like, thing to throw into the PC's encounter with Radigan. It's way off in the rocks. There's this amazing sniper. Yeah. <laughs> and shooting them with his, with his longbow. And then finally, closing the border. Sorry, we don't have a good one here. Yeah, there there was nothing remotely suggestive in the movie for what to do. So, uh, it's London, I guess. Like, Thick Fog. It's, thick Fog. Yeah, it's London a, Fog. London Fog. It's a brand of coat. It's that famous. <laughs> like, if you really want to get crazy, you could have actually bringing in the smog and the idea that it's actually poison. Mm. Like, it's this incredibly thick fog that actually is, like, toxic to breathe. Kind of go back to sort of original Barovia, Curse of Strahd, uh, Castle Ravenloft type stuff. I know, I believe it was in the 50s they had the big problem with air pollution. Mm. There actually were these, like, clouds of smog that were, like, killing people. Um, So you can, you're you're totally justified in having it be actually full-on poison. Just, you know, coal smoke and gas fumes filling the the mists and making it impassable. But it's fog. They can't, they can't all be winners. <laughs> so the final thing that we like to do for the write-up is, in, as I mentioned, the style of the write-up in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. And there's always, for the Dark Lord section, the ideal, the role-playing trait, the ideal, the bond, and the flaw. And it's, they always have them in the form of quotes from the Dark Lord. And so we always have that fun challenge, fun in quotes sometimes. Uh, of <laughs> Snow White. Oh gosh. Of coming up with quotes the character says that express those things. And in this case, I'm the one that really like dived into this. 
So if you're all right with this as a format, I have basically, I do have a collection of quotes, but I even have like a couple options mm. for each of these to, to sort of okay. talk through. Kind of like we did for Frolla? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the first of these is our trait. And I have a couple of suggestions. And a lot of this was, I there's not a lot of making of stuff I could find. But there was uh, one clip of Vincent Price got repeated in a couple different making of things. And I'd love to hear more from him, which is a shame I this what I made when I could find. And it was him saying, you know, Raddick's really fun to play. And he says, the thing about, like, a villain like this is he's also an actor. Mm. And he's playing the part of the great villain. Mm. So I wanted something, you know, that that's something you can use. Like, this is what your PCs are going to encounter. Your interactions with Radigan are going to be this guy playing the part of the great villain. His theatricality is yes. such a huge such part of the important. character, yeah. So, the first one, and I, I, a very strong contender, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it when I'm nasty. <laughs> Because it's just, so the deliberate theatricality and the enjoying the theatricality, Mm -hmm. the reveling in it. I have the power! I am supreme! This is my kingdom! That one I think is a little too generic. Yeah, yeah. Because you can see Prince John saying that too, so. You don't know what a delightful dilemma it was trying to decide on the most appropriate method for your demise. Or I had so many ingenious ideas I didn't know which to choose, so I decided to use them all. That's a very like, yeah. strong contender. Because it's just so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. But it's so, so great. So perfect. great. So, oh, oh, man. That whole, you know, everything you as a GM need to know about playing Radigan mm-hmm. is like, this is what he would do. He would have a, like, seven-stage death trap with a song. Mm-hmm. He record- He went in a recording booth, recorded a song mocking Basil, mm-hmm. and then also set up a camera to take yes. a photo of him dying. And he's so pleased with himself. Yes, yes. He has all these ingenious ideas. Like, like all, all his ideas are so good. And, and just the, I, I decided to use them all. It's such mm-hmm. a, like, Radigan over-the-top super-villainy yes. moment. But that's in the past. This time, nothing, not even Basil, can stand in my way. All will bow before me. And finally, poor Basil. Oh, he is in for a surprise. <laughs> I I gotta go with the delightful dilemma. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah, it's it, so just, good. Because it, it, it needs to be something beyond just the, like, I will rule, I'll be supreme, da-da-da-da-da. Because yeah. that's, that's, that's a pretty generic thing. It's for a very time. long trade, but... Yes. So, ideal, I feel like we've, yeah, like... Uh, yeah. There's really only one There's possibility. Only one. Yeah. Like, for, for the first time we watched this one, we didn't even know when we were planning on doing the episode, yeah. like, a year ago. The ideal is the superior mind is triumph. I've won. I also had the world's greatest criminal mind, mm. which is, like, definitely, that's a thing that's important to him. He makes his henchmen sing a song about how he's the world's greatest <laughs> criminal mind. But the ideal specifically, even though, no, it's not just that he is, is he has to triumph. Yes. The superior mind has triumphed. Mm-hmm. So, then we have Bond... Got to be something with Basil. Yes, has to be something with Basil. This is I got a couple of possibilities, mm-hmm. and there's there's Basil, but then there's also the like the criminalness, the like bond <laughs> for his, but happens with Basil. Mm-hmm. So I did have the my friends about to embark on the most odious, the most evil, the most diabolical scheme of my illustrious career. Like what <laughs> it's like? His thing is this is the most evil plan imaginable. That also actually would be a contender for trade, I would say. Yeah, no, I think I'm going to... Well, what do you think? What do you think? That... Mm. A crime to top all crimes. A crime that will live it in for me. Oh, man. Yeah, right? 
Because that's, yeah, that's, that's a very showman-like. And it's less specific it's less than specific. the... less specific. Yeah, yeah I, I, okay, honestly, okay. Honestly, I think that's a better trait. And just, you know, I know we're not doing this one for mm-hmm. Bond. I know it has to be Basil. Mm-hmm. But I, like, I could not not have... Oh, Felicia, my precious, my baby. <laughs> your daddy's a little honey bun. Enjoy her tasty teat. Like, in the write-up and the list of powers, the having, like, Felicia is going to be Daddy's Little Honey Bun. Yes. I got I got three Basil possibilities. Mm-hmm. And one is the... And this is the one I, I like the most. There's no escape this time, Basil. Ooh. Because that, ex, that even, like, the this time, it's not just... It's about the whole relationship. Yeah. It's about the whole history. It's about the... There's no escape this time, Basil. It's the... I've beaten you... I'm going to beat you. There's no escape. I've got you in my trap. And the this time I love is suggesting that whole relationship. Yes. No, all the other times you have escaped. All the other times got away, but not this not time. Not this time. It's the, it, it kind of is expressing the yeah. the ongoing, um, what he sees happening. Mm-hmm. He thinks that, you know, Basil thinks that he's escaped by faking his own death. Right, yes. There's no escape this time. Mm-hmm. I've also got the, oh, poor Basil, oh, he is in for a surprise. Mm-hmm. Just because I, 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 it's such a, like, oh, poor Basil, he mm-hmm. is in for a surprise. Like... It's it's the it's the delicious like he's just my my worthy opponent. Uh-huh. I like feel that little bit of, of sympathy, almost pity for I've I've so outmaneuvered him. I almost <laughs> feel sorry for him. And then finally, the for years I didn't suffer. Will Pipsqueak interfere with my plans? And I haven't had a moment's peace of mind. Mm. And that's the only the obsession, mm-hmm. the nice like obsession of I can't have peace of mind. I can't sort of relax or Maleficent style. I haven't had a good yeah. night's sleep in 16 years mm-hmm. because Basil's out there interfering with my plans. Yeah. I think the poor Basil one is, to, is for when he's kind of feeling on top of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that that works for him as he is. Yeah. Now, so so for Bond, what what do you think's the better I think, about Basil? Yeah. So I'm thinking either that there's no escape this time or the inseparable pipsqueak. Like, that one's more more torment. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like the simplicity of there's no escape this time, Basil. Yeah. Yeah. And even that it's so... It's so much the him being in denial about Basil being dead. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's so... Yeah. It's it's There's there's the simplicity and also it's the... But there's no escape because he died. He, he had an aneurysm. Flaw is another one where, kind of like with Ideal, where I didn't do a ton of prep mm-hmm. because I think there's a pretty obvious mm-hmm. thing for his flaw. Mm-hmm. And we even mentioned it in terms of it being like a big part of his torment. So just to throw out some options, because mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, there's no I in team. <laughs> there's no I in co-host. And one, it's the, the scene where they're on the airship. Fidget says we need to lighten the load, and he says, "Oh, you want to lighten the load? Excellent idea!" And then dumps Fidget over, mm-hmm. and that's a little of like the being so cruel to his subordinates, mm-hmm. and you know they're so disposable. I could see when Basil comes in, we have the bravo, bravo, a marvelous performance. I was expecting you 15 minutes earlier. Trouble with the chemistry set, my boy. <laughs> we have the arrogance. Uh-huh. I know that's going to be a flaw, and that's going to be something you can role play with is the arrogance. Mm-hmm. But the the one that immediately popped out to me. Was the, what did you call me? I am not a rat. Yeah. That, that is it. And then if we do the, like, dot, 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 because that is the dot, 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 so like, oh, he didn't say anything, professor. Like, mm-hmm. we have to cut the hench things. We do, what do you call me? I am not a rat. And do that in all caps. Mm-hmm. And then the, oh, my dear Bartholomew, I'm afraid you've gone and upset me. You know what happens when someone upsets me. Yeah. So don't you want to include that, like, end point there. 
with the oh my dear Bartholomew, or if you just want the what did you call me? I think me, I'm when not it's around. just what did you call me? I'm not around. Ah, okay, love it. Okay, cool. So, because that that's in all, and then then you have the kind of him regaining his cool, mm-hmm. and with this flaw, we've got the great like no, he's not he's not getting it. Make sure it's all caps. So, yeah. Did you call me? I, I am, am not a rat. Yeah. Because that, that's the thing. That's, that's the what fault. it comes down that's, to. When yes. And you've even got the screaming, I am not a rat. Like losing his temper, starting to rat out as he's screaming, I am mm-hmm. not a rat. So cool. All right. That yeah. gives us our write-up for our Dark Lord Radigan. And honestly, if it were just a blah setting, but you had this glorious, handy Vincent Price, <laughs> Machiavellian, ridiculous death trap bad guy, Dark Lord. Like, that would be worth it. Yes. But it's not just that, because mm-hmm. we also have, as we had mentioned up top, one of the iconic horror settings. And an iconic horror, it's not only an iconic horror setting, it is an iconic horror setting that is not currently there yes. in the currently 5e Ravenloft canon. So we are quite delighted to tell you more about this iconic horror setting in a section we like to call... The Land. The Land. Although Londinium contains many lavish country estates, windswept moors, and lonely chalk cliffs, the heart of the domain is its eponymous fog-choked city. A center of commerce, academics, and cultured rival Levcaress or Illaluk, Londinium has a seedier side lurking just below its surface. The obvious divide is between the prim prosperity of the uptown and the wretched squalor of the slums. I saw a gentlewoman feeding fresh meat to her lapdog in the park, while, a mere block away, children scavenged for discarded potato parings in an alley. Even beyond that divide, however, was a general sense of duplicity. Most of the people I met greeted me with cheerful smiles or impeccable manners, but something about them made me instinctively eye their hands in case a knife appeared in them. Perhaps this is merely paranoia. Give me time, and I believe I could find a piece of gossip putting every citizen of Lindinium on Radigan's payroll. In fact, I found many specific rumors surrounding individual citizens, and have attached them for my patron's edification. I found the talk about the true ownership of the rat trap particularly engrossing. Much of the gossip, of course, swirls around whatever happens to be the most recent crime spree in Londinium. In this case, it was a series of kidnappings. From a match girl who had not appeared at her usual street corner, to a young duke who had been snatched beneath his governess's very nose, highborn and lowborn children alike were vanishing, and the police could find no pattern to the disappearances. Any faith I might have had in Londinium's law enforcement vanished at that point, for with the time I spent in the public records office, some of the names were familiar to me. All of the kidnapped children were related to a former client of Radigan's deceased rival, Basil. In fact, the connection was so obvious, as were the distinctive peg-legged tracks leading away from the kidnapping sites, that only two possibilities presented themselves. Either Radigan's criminal genius had been dramatically overstated, or he wanted to be caught. So our domain that we're looking at, we're calling it Londinium. 
and it's a city-state. We've got London to be the big city-state, right. but we also have the surrounding region because we want there to be the small villages. We want there to be more, so you can do hundreds of Baskervilles right. if you want. We want you to have like the you know tiny, mysterious seaside village with a dark secret, like any Sherlock Holmes potential setting, mm-hmm. not just the city. Yeah, if you wanted to, because Mordant is also kind of filling this, like you know, English countryside niche. If you wanted to have like. Londinium is this big city that's right next to Morton. Uh-huh. Then you could do that and just have all your Hunter Baskerville's nonsense over in Morton. Mm-hmm, that's fine mm-hmm. too. But the way that we're doing it is going to be having it as entirely its own thing. Big old city, small seaside villages of mysterious mm-hmm. secrets. Moors. Moors. Forests if you want them. Whatever mm-hmm. you like. Yeah, yeah. England's got a lot of stuff. England does have a lot of stuff, uh, including a lot of fabulous Victorian literature, all of which we were drawing upon. Yes, indeed. Domain. So. We're really, you know, again, looking at Victorian London. It's an iconic horror setting. We're pulling a lot for my for my fellow grognards, mm-hmm. if you remember Mask of the Red Death. Yeah. Uh, which... R.I.P. Gone R.I.P. too soon. Uh, <laughs> gone before it truly had the chance to Yeah, guess. yeah. So, if you're not familiar with Mask of the Red Death, quick sidebar tangent. It was basically trying to do Ravenloft on Earth. It was mm-hmm. also called Gothic Earth. So that way you could do what, like, there's London, there's actual Transylvania. Right. You know, all this other stuff. But with Frankenstein and Dracula yeah. and Moriarty. Moriarty is one of the canon antagonists. And PCs in the mm-hmm. in the campaign, and we're going to be getting back to yeah, how they yeah. do Moriarty later because it's really cool and it was mm-hmm. a, an inspiration for how we wanted to do Radigan. So if you were into Mask of the Red Death slash Gothic Earth, or you're like, hey, that sounds cool, you can just plop all of that into Londinium and have a wee of a time. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you've got the fog, you've got gaslights, you can do Jack the Ripper, right. especially you know. Paradon slash Zerissia is already doing Jack the Ripper, but if you're not doing anything with that, then you could put it here if you wanted to very easily. Right, and the fact there is very little, like it's mentioned in the mm. 5e write-up for Zerissia, but very, 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 very little. So that's another one of those like big conceptual kind of horror canon spaces that the existing 5e canon Ravenloft has is a Jack the Ripper. It's such a waste. I cannot yeah. figure out why they didn't do a full domain write-up for Paradon. Just, uh, anyway. And then, you know, again, we've got Jekyll and Hyde. Since we have Radigan as the Dark Lord, you can really be hitting those duality and hypocrisy mm-hmm, themes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you watched the gloriously silly, cheesy, over-the-top <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde musical, as you know, man is not one but two. He is evil and good. So, and f- dear, dear listener... You've got to imagine David Hasselhoff is singing these lines because that is the person. I'm not kidding. This isn't a weirdo meme. This is David Hasselhoff as Jekyll and Hyde in Jekyll and Hyde. Doing a surprisingly good job. Yeah, it's on YouTube, I think, if you want to check it out. (laughs) If we have any Frank Wildhorn fans out here, I apologize. But Frank Wildhorn, who wrote Jekyll and Hyde, he's the guy that Andrew Lloyd Webber fans... Such as myself. Huh. I'm not I'm not just talking out of my rear end here. Mm-hmm. This is just science. We say, you guys think that we're just cheesy and all <laughs> Look over this guy. <laughs> I apologize, Frank Weller, for Yes, me, yes. You, so let cheesy. us know on Patreon. <laughs> let us know. On, get a Patreon so you can chastise us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on Patreon. 
I do love it though. Jekyll and Hyde is so ridiculous. In any event, so you can take those themes and you can you can have kind of that idea of the duality, the hypocrisy. Everyone is secretly on Radigan's payroll. Like whether it's because they're twisted and evil on the inside, or because he has something on and it is holding it over mm-hmm. them. There are so few people who you can find who are truly trustworthy. You can you can play with all of those themes. Right, right, right. Really fun. You're also totally justified bringing in some light steampunk elements. You know, there is the robot queen. Yeah, there's a robot queen. queen. Yeah, there's a dirigible. Uh There's, incidentally, dear listeners, I'm stumbling over my tongue here. I'm recovering from COVID Uh and I am all hopped up on DayQuil. So I just called her the robot queen. (laughs) (laughs) If if anything else like that happens, DayQuil (laughs) o'clock. And and even a lot of modern iterations of any of that kind of Victoriana will usually have a level of steampunk Mm -hmm. if they're trying to kind of be slightly fantastic Victoriana. So, like, I believe both Robert Downey Jr. Holmes Mm. movies have, like, steampunk elements. Mm -hmm. Like, the villains have some kind of, like, advanced contraption that's not really possible for Victorian technology, but kind of is part of their plan. You know, it's almost weirder to have a Victorian <laughs> horror setting that didn't have some light steampunk elements at this point. Yeah. So we're, we're not going to flesh this out a whole lot because there's not much of it in the movie and you don't need us to tell you how to do hypocrisy and steampunk. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, th- those are such broad, like, delicious themes that lend themselves to so many story hooks and plot hooks and storytelling. And... They don't really connect to Radigan and Basil and Flaversham and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Rest of and like, honestly, I don't think we need to give a ton of super specific setting details mm-hmm. because if you are a horror GM, there is a good chance you can like come up with whatever you need a Victorian London setting to have. Whatever mm-hmm. kind of weird, spooky stuff, resources, NPCs to interact with. You can, mm-hmm. you can come up with those. You can find them in any number of sources. Yeah. There are a couple of specific sort of NPCs and locations, we touched on some of these already, that are directly from the movie. So that is something kind of relevant to our specific version of Londinium. And the first, we kind of have three locations, and they kind of have that sort of duality of mm-hmm. that we're talking about. And the first is Basil's office. And that's 221B Baker Street. And how excited are your players going to be when they, they ah. see that 221B Baker Street door? And so we are... Imagining that, you know, Basil's gone, everyone believes he's dead, Dawson is carrying on the fight. So he's still trying to oppose Radigan, he's trying to use, like, Basil's files and what he's learned from Basil, and that could be good because, you know, if Dawson's sort of, like, the the contact NPC, the quest giver, then it's like he's not going to outshine the PCs. Mm-hmm. Like, he has all that stuff you want from a good, like, contact NPC. He has the files. He has the local, you know, contacts. He knows the area. But he's going to be the one that are like, what could it mean? Here are the clues, <laughs> but I can't understand them. And then the PCs get to step in and kind of play the Holmes role of being the ones that piece it all together. And uh, he, you know, accepts that Sherlock's dead. Like, he, uh, sorry, uh, Basil's dead. Don't know how I made that mistake. What? Um, but he accepts that Basil's dead but he like secretly hopes secretly hopes that it is out there that this is some kind of plan and then another really cool thought if you want to do advance the timeline you know we didn't say how long 
between Great Mouse Detective and Basil's quote unquote death at Reichenbach Falls, or how long Basil's been yes, or how long quote unquote been dead, uh, you could have a sort of teenage or young adult Olivia Flaversham. Just mm-hmm. a like spunky adventurer, Enola adventuress, Holmes. Enola Holmes. Yeah, watching Enola Holmes like that. That she's just sort of the spunky adventurous, like this whole you could do a whole Basil took her under his wing and made her his protege. And so once again, you could have someone that's a very useful like local contact, but it's not Basil. So it's like yeah, no, she does need some help from the PCs to to do all the things that Basil would be able to do on his own. And this actually is touching on uh, there was. I don't remember the name of the guy, but he was one of the producers of the 2017 DuckTales reboot, which is amazing. And he actually pitched a Rescue Rangers reboot where it was going to be that the reveal was the Rescue Rangers were actually founded by Olivia Flaversham. Mm. She sort of became Basil's protege, founded the Rescue Rangers, and then the story was going to involve, like, Fat Cat trying to get some, some finding some old plan of Radigan's. Nice. Some kind of old, like, destroy humanity plan that Radigan had come up with but never been able to execute. So, if you're a certain type of nerd that you, that just really, like, <laughs> was a really cool thing to hear those inexplicable morass of names. But yeah, so I think... That's another one of those kind of NPCs that a lot of PC groups would really glom to. And they mm-hmm. kind of like, they like her. They like how spunky she was. They'd like kind of be protective of her, especially if they'd seen the movie and kind of remember, no, sort of quote unquote, knowing her as a little girl. And they could have a lot of fun going on adventures with Olivia Flaversham. <laughs> and then we have uh, her, her father. And he is this like genius artificer. And that could be another great NPC ally because he could give you the loot. He could give mm-hmm. you the gear. He could be kind of like Maurice in our Beauty and the Beast episode. You should listen to it. It's great. Uh, <laughs> that he can be this kind of giving magic items to the PCs. And it's really easy, as we said in that episode, to take any number of magic items and reskin them as like clockwork mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Like these sort of like magitech artificer things. So he gives them, you know, it's it's the, the, the write-up is a Boots of Spider Climb. But it's really like a backpack that spider legs come out or, mm-hmm. you know, gives them it's a wand of fire pulse, but it's like a proto flamethrower <laughs> that he built that he can give the PCs. And it's never a bad thing to have a NPC that could be the magic item giver. Yeah. Especially if he's, you know, sort of the I, I recognize you as great heroes and we've got to defeat Radigan and I'm going to give you all these weapons like I've been making. <laughs> that's our that's our good. Those are our forces of good. Those are the forces of light and justice. Now to go the duality, we have, of course, Radigan's Lair. And this itself reflects the duality. That in the movie, it's like a storage, like a wine cellar in the sewers. And so it's very easy to say, like, no, he's taken this part of the sewers and converted them into this luxurious secret hidden lair that he can then use, and his men can use the sewers to close through the city, and it touches on that rat imagery and the sort of secret tunnel them scurrying around the city. You've got the duality of it's like the sewers, it's the worst part of town, but it's this like palace inside with all his treasures and luxuries. It makes a fantastic dungeon. You know, you have that he is prepared defenses, you could have kind of a version of the death traps he made for Basil. So all these traps, there's his minions, there's Felicia, <laughs> a sort of Victorian London sewer chasing a criminal mastermind in his lair is just a natural, uh, natural dungeon. Uh, That's yeah. going to be a great dungeon. I want to go through that dungeon. Right, yeah, it's going to be a cool dungeon. And then 
just to have kind of one more location we sort of get up in Buckingham Palace, which you do whatever you want with that. <laughs> we have the Rat Trap. And the Rat Trap is the sort of sleazy pub that uh, Basil tracks Fidget to in the first part of the movie. And that just gives you, like, you know, it's got classic, it's sort of Victoriana, you know, mystery, horror kind of set piece of the sleazy tavern, the sleazy mm-hmm. pub by the docks with all the sailors with their tattoos and their eye patches. And, and they're gotta put picking their filth mustache yeah, and picking their teeth there. with their daggers and glaring at you. And that this is not just like a, a slummy, sleazy place. This is clearly part of Radigan's network. Like mm-hmm. this is a, a, a organization that answers to Radigan. They you know they drug the drinks when Basil's asking about Radigan. Fidget like there's a trap door. He uses to get down to the source and then go to Radigan's lair. That they follow him. You know if you want that sort of underworld location, that place to use that criminal background for your rogue or that uh, thieves can't. And then to have that, this is sort of how criminally you can hook into Radigan's network. There you go. It's the mm-hmm. rat track. It's a sleazy pub by the docks. So, we have given you a tiny taste of what is potentially a massive, expansive mystery horror setting. You know, this is one of those things where it's London, you could have just an entire city book mm-hmm. of just, like, locations and NPCs and factions and agendas and conspiracies and hidden secrets and all sorts of things. This is what Radigan has on this person. This right. is what Radigan has on that person. This is how this person is trying to overthrow Radigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's this secret occult item. Here's this secret occult item. Here's this secret society. You know, here's this sort of occult gentleman's club that, that dabbles in infernalism. And here's the domain equivalent of Irene Adler. What yeah, is yeah. Doing? Yeah, what's Irene Adler up to? Here's Jack the Ripper. Here's who that is for mm-hmm. this. Here's the ripper of this setting. But once again, you don't need us to do that. There's any number of sources you could go to to get a giant Victorian London right up like that. And then just, you know, the Moriarty's got him right again. (laughs) It's one of the only changes you need to make in any kind of Holmes wiki, Holmes setting that anyone else has come up with. So, rich, expansive setting, full adventure, Little spoiler alert, you could have an entire campaign here easily. Mm-hmm. That nowhere but this city. But what kind of things would be in that entire campaign? Rachel, what do you do with it? Dread possibilities. My first impulse was to tell the authorities what I had deduced of Radigan's scheme. However, given the rumors of widespread corruption throughout Londinium, I suspected that such a report would make it to Radigan's ears well before it reached anyone who would take useful action. On its face, rescuing these frightened, stolen children from an unknown fate had nothing to do with researching the domain. However, it meant a chance at coming face to face with Radigan. And my patron was so dreadfully disappointed with me for not securing an interview with De La Cruz in my last report. The peg-legged tracks were so obvious that they were clearly a trap. I do hope my patron will not scold me for using invisibility to conceal myself as I followed them, in order that Radigan might be less likely to detect my approach. Perhaps this was an everyday problem for which my poor mind could not formulate a solution. Nonetheless, I instead chose to make use of the tools that my patrons specifically gave me for carrying out tasks such as these. I was able to slip past his henchmen easily. At the time, I thought that this was either a testament to their inefficacy or further proof that I was walking into a trap, but I now know the true reason. I eventually followed the tracks to a river dock, where I found the children in a bizarre death trap. 
Each hung in a cage over the water, which was red and slimy with chum, shark fins occasionally cresting the surface. The cages were held in place by a system of pulleys, and it was clear that their captor intended to drop them in one at a time. The captor in question, a hirsute man whose massive body strained the seams of his elegant suit, was eyeing a gold pocket watch while more of his lackeys manned the pulley systems. Basil will be here at any minute, sneered the man who could only have been Professor Radigan. I flushed him out by capturing a single brat in that Flaversham incident. Imagine how he'll come running for a dozen of them. His henchmen had not missed me because they were unobservant. They had missed me because they were watching specifically for the deceased Basil of Baker Street. Perhaps Basil was a ghost, or perhaps Radigan had some intelligence suggesting he was alive. Regardless, I could not stand by while he lowered those cages one by one, waiting for his rival to appear. I had seen portraits of Basil, enough that my silent image was a passable imitation in the foggy darkness. When Radigan saw the image, he froze, and his expression was not one of belligerence or anger. It was pure, joyous triumph. Shouting for his minions to follow him, he dashed toward the shape. A silent image is not a powerful illusion spell, particularly against a mind as potent as Radigan's was said to be, yet he continued his fruitless search for Basil long enough for me to free all of the children and escort them to safety. If Radigan was duped for so long, it could only be that he wanted to believe my illusion was true. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. So, why did you come to London, Ian? Why didn't you come to London, <laughs> right? My gosh. It's one of the mega cities of the world. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got a library that might have some of the clues you need. It's got archives, clues, magic items, all kinds of stuff. It's got you know my, all kinds of cultural things yeah. that your PCs might be interested in. You know, why do you go to London? You why do you go, go to, to London, London to see yeah. the sites? Like, and- it could be if there's some kind of connect with some kind of entertainer mm-hmm. or theater troupe. Of course they're going to come to Londinium to perform. If they're connected with any kind of magic, anything, you could have the Londinium version of the British Museum that has just the occult loot of a hundred domains. Uh, oh man, I didn't even think about that as a plot hook. They're yeah. going to have like all these really cheesed off Dark Lords. Yeah, yeah. To go get their treasure Get their stuff back, back yeah. <laughs> That's where Aunt Hotscott is. Yeah. The British Museum yes. stole it. It's in the... <laughs> it's in the Harakir exhibit. No, it's not even the exhibit. It's, it's, it's in the storage room. We're sorry, Aunt With hundreds of other precious artifacts from Harakir. Like Rachel said, why would you come to London now? It could be that reason. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get more specific, right. if you're if there's not a thing where you're like, oh, well, this is how you know, the the information they're looking for could be in this big city, or the person they're looking for could be in this big city, which you know gives you a ton of possibilities mm. on its own. You could be chasing agents of Radigan from other domains. Radigan, he's got this far-reaching spiderweb empire, so maybe he's trying to expand into other domains, and you're you're chasing the people in uh-huh. there. Maybe you've been hired to investigate rumors that Basil survived. Ooh. But, ah. plot twist, you were hired by Radigan. Yes! So good. 
And that's like the that's you've already getting that adventure right there. You've you think like Radigan's the big bad. Oh, we're investigating Basil survive. They're gonna be opposing Radigan this Radigan guy. Then you have have that plot twist of Radigan's the one that actually hired them. Because <laughs> no one wants Basil to be alive more than Radigan yep. does. And that's kind of looking ahead to you know, the overall shape that a campaign set in Londinium could take. Mm-hmm is you could find out, you know, the, the entire campaign could be that you're looking for Basil, you're looking for Basil, you're, you're fighting Radigan, mm-hmm. and then, you know, plot twist, you find out that you were actually hired by Radigan to begin with, look for Basil. Uh-huh. Another possibility that a Londinium campaign could look like, we mentioned we we're going to be getting back to what they did with Moriarty and Mask of the Red Death. In Mask of the Red Death, they had Moriarty at kind of a similar place to where Radigan is mm-hmm. now. That's kind of our inspiration. Yeah. Um, that Reichenbach Falls happened, and Holmes is gone, and Moriarty is bored out of his ever <laughs> And what he needs is a new worthy opponent. Hmm. And so they have... This This was actually... If I, I had for a while been hoping I could run Mask of the Red Death, and if I'd ever gotten to run it, this is what I was going to do for a campaign. So, like, so I, I love this idea. So they have this whole idea in the book of the, like... He's going to need worthy opponents. And so he's going to have to kind of look at these people who have a lot of potential and start slowly training them from the ground up. Right. Teaching them how to be his opponents, like sending people after them, Uh like starting small. He doesn't want to throw the big guns at them right away. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to burn them out right off the bat. Get get them to to, to foil some minor plans. And then eventually beginning bigger and bigger and bigger until finally he gets them to the point where they are the same character level as him. I mean, where they are Uh the same intellectual level level as him. And he truly has a worthy opponent on his hands. So you could have a thing where Radigan has actually brought the PCs in and... Or maybe he didn't even bring them in to begin with. Maybe they came in originally you know, chasing his people and you know, defeated some of his people. And Radigan was like, oh, they surprised me. Nobody surprised me in a while. Huh, yeah. And so he starts taking an interest in them and like throwing his men at them and deliberately bringing them in a Riddler style to be kind of investigating his mm-hmm. plans because he's trying to get them to be his new battle. Yes. You could even uh, combine that with some of the kind of using them to search for Basil. Like, they they get hired by mysterious Radigan guy to <laughs> a mysterious were-rat to, uh, to search for clues of Basil. And they get tangled up with Radigan. And even hold, oh, now that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Because that means Basil's more likely to trust them. Like, if, ah. I, if I am direct, if I am your enemy, it means Basil's more likely to, like, come out of hiding and get in touch with you and mm-hmm. make contact with you. So it's all part of his plan to, to get Basil to reveal he's alive. <laughs> so that could make an excellent, like, core framework. And this is another one of those where there's a lot you could do in this setting, but really to kind of do the capital L Londinium, it's going to be tangling with Radigan. Mm-hmm. So there are so many potential plot hooks. Uh, we are going to give you a chart in the write-up of Radigan schemes, and including stealing the crown jewels, because of course. Of course. And then the idea is... Yeah, trying to resurrect Basil's ghost, because okay, if he is dead, yes. he won't be for long, by golly. <laughs> or even like some kind of necromantic ritual to like know for sure. Yeah. You know, like I mean, I'm, I'm going to find out for sure if Rat Basil's dead mm-hmm. by seeking out the other side. And if he is dead, I'm going to bring him back to life. So I can beat him. So I can kill him again. <laughs> and 
so that can be then leading up to some kind of like grandiose plan. Like, and the thing is, this Radigan's motivation gives you this kind of natural narrative arc of if he's getting more and more like frustrating and despondent, it could lead to a natural climax of like some absurd supervillain plan. We like, well, if this doesn't get him out, nothing <laughs> will. Like, clearly Basil's just playing dead, mm-hmm. but if I blow up all of Londinium, yes, yes. that'll make him come out to stop me. <laughs> if I, like, punch a hole to the land of the dead, mm-hmm. or if I replace the queen with a robot, mm-hmm. or if I, you know, yeah, plan to destroy the entire city, then that'll force his hand. He'll have to come out of hiding to stop me. And so just once again, this natural narrative arc, you're tangling with Radigan in a number of schemes, building to a climax, building to some sort of Vincent Price super villainy that then the PCs have to step in and stop. And then, you know, for like side stuff, for things that aren't directly dealing uh-huh. with Radigan, anything dealing with duality, yeah. any, there's so many monsters you could bring in. You yeah, can yeah. have like any kind of lycanthrope who's hiding uh-huh, where they yeah. are. Like, you know, Vampire the Masquerade is built on this nonsense. Yeah. Like you can, you can have vampires and things that are pretending to be human but aren't. You can just have like crooked humans. You could have a thing where maybe some someone that you're dealing with is secretly like a car god operator yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that who's trying to, to bust Radigan's ring. Like anything dealing with duality, anything dealing with people leading a double life, yeah. you can bring that in. Even if like Radigan is not directly involved. Yeah. You know, that made me, made me think you could do a really cool kind of combining Jack the Ripper and the Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. and not in the usual way, but what you just said with having to be like, yeah, he's a, he's a werewolf. Yeah. That like Dr. Jekyll legitimately like blacks out and wakes up covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the sort of deliberate, you know, taking serum and then letting the consequences happen, but like legitimately is not sure what is happening. Mm-hmm. And it's that the Ripper is a werewolf yeah. who is shocking. And then, yeah, you know, your, your, your classic like puts all of these murders are on the full moon. <laughs> And the PCs are like, oh, dang, where's the silver shop? <laughs> so, yeah, just so much here. As I said, little sneak preview, this is I, one of the Gosh. richest settings we've come up with, yeah. we've, we've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's because it is drawing from Sherlock Holmes, which is one of the pillars of this sort of Victorian intri- shadowy intrigue, horror, spooky, mystery, London by Gaslight type yeah. adventure. So, we like to talk then about some alternative things. We've already mentioned a couple alternative mm-hmm. possibilities. Uh, but one thing we like to talk about is the uh, aging down, aging up. If you have kids that love The Great Mouse Detective, or they love mysteries, they love Sherlock Holmes, you're like, we're doing this like Disney Ravenlofty game, we're doing a Disney game, I want to do this kind of shirt, deer stalker hat and pipe mystery for them, how do you run this for them? And then, of course, how do you do this for adults who have encountered these kind of themes and setting mm-hmm. in much less child-friendly uh, context than The Great Mouse Detective? Is this aging up section going to be more aged up than Snow White? Let's find out. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> so aging down, the obvious, like, number one is Basil's alive. Mm-hmm. And just, we're also, just in general, we're not doing a lot of the duality, the corruption, the, like, everyone's a rat. Mm-hmm. So I just don't, don't do that. Like, Radigan's just a bad guy. Yeah. He's a bad where rat guy. But Basil's alive, and this is a plan, and either the major good NPCs are in on it, like Dawson or Olivia, so they're not too sad, or, like, the PCs get to reveal it. 
So like if Dawson, if Olivia, if they're sad that Basil's dead, the PCs get to like reveal it. Like they get to kind of, even if not publicly reveal Basil's alive, at least reveal to his friends. Yeah. So they get to lift that sadness. And if you're having them be sad and think that Basil's dead, then for younger players, a way to kind of alleviate that is have somebody from the get-go say that he's still alive. You know, have Dawson be sad, but Olivia yeah, like, no, yeah, he's yeah. alive so they can hang their hat on it. Or have them say, no, he's dead after the PCs have already gotten a clue that he's alive. Right, yeah. You you, you don't want the kids, like, if this is your kid's favorite movie, yes. you don't want them at any point thinking they killed off Basil. So there has to be some kind of, like, plausible deniability from the moment that somebody says he's dead. Very um, movie-style Radigan, mm -hmm, just very, mm -hmm. like, evil for the sake of evil, over the top, just yes. loving it when he's nasty. <laughs> and, you know, no drowning people, no, mm -hmm. like, digging into the specifics of his crimes and his infamy, just, like, being using this very florid language. Like, the, the movie's a very good baseline. Just yes. do more adventures with that tone, with that setting. And honestly, if your kids don't know the movie and you just want to use this as sort of an inspiration for, like, a mystery Victoriana setting, you don't even need to have, like, the whole Basil thing. Yeah. Like, there can just be, here's Radigan and Napoleon of Crime. Here's these, like, you know, Dawson and Olivia and these other people, maybe kind of a version of Inspector Lestrade that are trying to stop him but are outmatched. And then the PCs come and they get to be Basil. Mm -hmm. And once again, it could be like we were talking about, where Dawson can, like, show them all the clues... And they're like, ah, oh, here's the map of his heist. And the PCs are like, let's connect the pins. Oh, it's a circle. <laughs> and Dawson says, brilliant. Our occasional co-host, Chris Newton, has had the Gameable podcast. And in the uh, Gameable Disney episode for The Great Mouse Detective, he and his wife, Katrina, were talking about what a great character Watson is... Uh, I don't know why I said Watson. Yeah, right. Watson. It's crazy. Different. It's so mixed up. But what what a great NPC Dawson is yes. to have if you're playing with kids. Mm. Because she can, like, sit there and go, I don't understand. There's this map with all these pins, and I, I feel like the colors mean something, but I just can't <laughs> yes. put my finger on what. And then the PCs, who are the kids, can come in and be like, ah, this is what it means. So, like, having Dawson be there to, like, hold up a hand mm -hmm. and lead them right up to the solution, but stop, is just, you couldn't ask for better for gaming with kids. Why, look, what's in the center of the circle? <laughs> It's an abandoned warehouse. What could it mean? <laughs> so yeah, just I, this is this is a really cool potential kids setting, especially if you have kids that li like love mysteries, and this is a really good way to work in some mystery into sort of your D and D game, mm -hmm. some slightly spooky mystery. And also, you know, if they love mysteries, they've probably at least heard of Sherlock Holmes mm -hmm. or vaguely aware of Sherlock Holmes. And this is a great way to give them a kind of Sherlock Holmes adventure, but in an already kid-friendly package. Yeah. Oh, and if you are uh, doing that there's no Basil and you're not worrying about Basil at all, then his torment is just the fact that he, he, you don't have to worry about Basil being part of his torment because he has the whole where-at thing. And that's his torment in the movie. So you don't have to worry about, like, but if... if He's not worrying about Basil being dead. What's his torment? No, he has one. He right. has his movie torment. But what if you want a kid unfriendly package? <laughs> a, a kid hostile package. Yeah, that's our Jekyll. What about right. our Rachel, hide? what's our hide here? Okay, uh, yeah, this is not one of those where we can just say... It's probably fine. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, there's, 
Future Rachel is going to come in with a more detailed <laughs> content warning and how far to skip the heck ahead if you have kids in the room. Now, this is Future Rachel. I don't think that we get as bad as we did in Snow White, uh, but there is discussion of the possibilities of vice-peddling in Radigan's Empire, uh, including the use of words that rhyme with textual and with thorny. There's also an oblique reference to torture, and we do get into with Jack the Ripper stuff. There's some discussion of that, discussion of gendered violence. We don't get into any kind of detail with gendered violence or anything like that, but it is mentioned. If you don't want to get into any of that, you're going to want to skip ahead about six minutes to around 128. So, yeah, boy, howdy. Let's see if this is going to be worse than Snow White. Yeah. So, first off, we've got the rat trap. Yeah. And the let me be good to you scene. Yeah. And that that implies a vice element in Radigan's yeah, Empire yeah, yeah. that you can you can be playing with a lot. Once again, tying into a lot of that you know Victorian Jekyll and Hyde, tying into once again the ridiculous, glorious yeah, mac yeah, and yeah. cheese of the uh, Jekyll and Hyde musical, where so much of it is <laughs> hypocrisy equals sexual repression. Yeah, there is yeah. nothing else to hypocrisy. <laughs> also, the fact that her name is Miss Kitty is that's, that's just kinky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Also, spoilers for incorporating the, the older material. There was, in the older material, you had Nova Vasa, which was the Jekyll and Hyde domain. And there was a lot of stuff in Nova Vasa that was really thematically incoherent with Malkin mm -hmm. that actually works beautifully with Radigan. Yes. Because they had this whole thing with Malkin where he was this, like very edgelord 90s serial killer <laughs> who did horrible things to women and blah 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 so much gendered violence so edgy edgy it's the 90s, it's the 90s. we all watched seven <laughs> but he was also this big crime lord and those are two very different psychologies mm, <laughs> they, don't, no. they don't so much go together but if you wanted to have Radigan be a Malkin-esque figure, mm. you could actually do that. Kind of going back to what Tom was saying with having Jekyll and Hyde be a lycanthrope. Of, you, know, you could have this suave Napoleon of crime Radigan. Right, that's our Jekyll. He's our, he's our Jekyll-ish. Mm. <laughs> um, he's, you know, he's not good, but he's, he's at least like... Rational. Rational. And then he rats out and turns into this feral monster. So if you wanted to do a thing where Jack the Ripper is Radigan, mm -hmm. you could make it work without having to worry about the fact that, you know, a serial killer and a crime boss have very different psychologies. But getting into that means getting down and dirty with the feral yeah, killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you want to get us down and dirty with the feral killer part, as they sometimes did with Malkin, yeah, then, right. you know, be my guest, but... Yeah. Just be aware. It's our job to, to <laughs> say this is a thing. This is a possibility you have, and this is a thing that you'd want to contact check with people. Yes. In the aging up, there's a non-zero chance that Dawson is dead. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Radigan totally would have killed him with a flushed basil out. He totally would have been like, you know, I'm, I'm going to kill him, basil. There you have 24 <laughs> hours to follow my clues. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. Or maybe Radigan just killed him in a fit of peak, you know, ratted out and killed him in a fit of peak when he found out that... You could have a whole scene where, like, he confronted Dawson and was demanding to know the real plan, and Dawson kept going, no, he's dead. And that, like, mm -hmm. made him rat out and murder him because he was so upset that mm -hmm. Dawson was saying that Basil was dead. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
Honestly, the nastiest thing you could possibly do with Dawson mm-hmm. would be that he hasn't killed him yet because he knows that if he does, he'll lose his bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. But in that case, he still has to be doing terrible things to Dawson to mm-hmm. try to flush Basil out. So, sorry, Dawson. I don't. Yeah. I don't like this version. But... To quote Radigan, "Sorry, Chubby. Should have picked your friends more carefully." Mm-hmm. Even if you don't want to get into, like, vice and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you can get much nastier with the violence. Yeah. Like, not even getting into, like, you know, what we were just talking about with Malkin, getting into, like, right. 90s edgelords This doesn't need violence. to be seven. Yeah, it doesn't need to be seven. It just needs to be Radigan murders people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be Kohler generational bingo. It can be Tony Dracon levels of violence, and that's still more violent than what we're yeah, getting yeah, in yeah, yeah, detective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you are not in the Kohler generational bingo, that's the gangster from Gargoyles. Mm. And he is in an episode where a character almost dies. So, And then, you know, speaking of Vice, in addition to all the let me be good to you, Miss Kitty stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, the rat trap, they, they drug the drinks. There are the right. really strong drinks. You, there can be opium. Yeah, there that, can be another one you know, of those, like, iconic sort of Victorian crime underworld things mm-hmm. is the opium den yeah. like the opium addicts the just that that's another like sort of iconic milieu of this setting mm-hmm. of, of Victorian underworld Sherlock Holmes Jack the Ripper and that's you know once for getting into the whole like duality hypocrisy you know Radigan has something on everyone if they're addicted to something that only he's selling mm-hmm. that's a real easy way for that's him a to good have lever. in his pocket and just just generally Victorian hypocrisy yeah, like, stuff. It's a very well taught. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> watch any episode of Doctor Who set in the Victorian era for the last decade. Watch last Penny Dreadful. Watch Penny Dreadful. Watch, we don't. You know, once again, watch Jekyll and Hyde. It's so horny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just yeah, this is a very well plowed field. Yeah. That if you're kind of have a finger in like horror spooky stuff. I feel like you've already thought of a couple things. Mm-hmm. Session we, Zero, all this stuff. Yeah, of course, obviously. Obviously. But, you know this, but we have to say it. Yeah, Session yeah. Zero. It. <laughs> but just as we have, we have a Dark Lord that's going to be very engaged with the players, going to be a strong antagonist who has a very strong theme of duality and hypocrisy and the kind of beast within. And there is like million billion mm-hmm. themes and NPCs and plots and character beats you could spin out anchored to that core idea. Yes. So, hopefully we have pitched you on our contention that this is one of the like richest and most fertile and most uh, varied thematically coherent settings that we've done in a long time. Mm-hmm. We will wrap up our discussion of Londinium and give you our parting thoughts in a section we like to call... Parting Thoughts. So the first thing we like to do in Parting Thoughts is we like to talk about the genres of horror. Uh, in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, we both agree one of the best set sections is this description of different genres of horror, and then the guide to sort of using that to, to define the horror, to guide your horror GMing. So we also like to do the genres of horror. I feel like there's one very strong contender. Yeah. I keep saying... Spooky supernatural mystery, mm-hmm. which is kind of a synonym for a cult investigation. A cult investigation, ladies and gentlemen. This is actually the reason why we chose to do this episode. Yes, 
Because when we did Robin Hood and we got Slasher and we checked Slasher uh-huh. off, the only thing left on our list was a cult investigation. Uh-huh. And we knew we were going to do Toy Story in September. We knew we had to do something spooky in October. Uh-huh. But we said, after that, we're going to do Great Mouse Detective. Right. Because that's got checked off a cult investigation. We didn't realize we were going to have checked it off last yes. month of Coco. Yes. <laughs> well, October was like, something spooky. Yes. November, Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> that's the choice of doing it live. We checked mm-hmm. off a cult investigation early. But and now we've caught them all. Yes. Obviously. This is this is the occult investigation he has to <laughs> Yeah. So others, there are a couple other possibilities. What do you think is a sort of our strongest second? What do you think is a good second for the write-up? That is really tricky because this is such a varied setting. This is such mm-hmm. a Rorschach yes, block yes, with yes. so many options that I feel like you could do just about anything for your uh-huh. second show. If you really wanted to do Jack the Ripper, you could do Slasher. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to be, you know, bring in some of these more like Dracula-like themes or yes. some, like, some, some ways to play with the internal darkness themes, you could do Gothic. Very, very, very easily. I think with all the duality stuff and with the, you know, not knowing who's in Radigan's pocket at any uh-huh. given time, that the way to be playing up those duality themes is through psychological. Yes, I'll get that yes. for my second. But I, honestly, I'm actually I'm... comfortable just using cult investigation. Okay. Especially yeah. because this is such a like occult investigation. Yeah. Like this is this is, you do not get more occult investigation than a Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes domain. <laughs> that this is is such a strong defining genre, and then everything else is sort of taking that occult investigation, steering it in the direction. So if you're okay with the write up just being Absolutely. occult investigation. But here you go, dear listener. Lots of other possibilities. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I can see, you know, the spin for slasher, psychological, and gothic. Were there any others that you kind of had in the back of your head? I was mainly thinking gothic. Like, mm-hmm. my second choice probably would have been gothic, especially if Radigan is getting entangled with the PCs and is manipulating them and kind of have Radigan as the gothic villain, mm-hmm. the kind of corrupt or gothic oh, villain. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And even the sort of, it's all about the past. It's all about mm-hmm. his sort of, like, this mm-hmm. thing that happened with Basil is still casting it. Basil's death is still yeah. kind of casting its shadow over the present. And, you know, kind of Radigan never really left Reichenbach Falls. Yeah. And it's still sort of part of him still waiting there to fight Basil. Mm-hmm. And so I would probably We've done gothic. Cool. But like I said, that's that's occult investigation is so much this domain. Yes. <laughs> and this domain is so much occult investigation that uh, I will have that as the solo for the write-up. Mm-hmm. And then, dear listeners, if you decide to use Lendinium, then you can choose yes, what your second us. genre is. Because there are so many options. <laughs> right. You seriously, tell us on... Yes. Our socials, and especially Patreon, which you should join, to <laughs> what your second genre was. What type of game did you run in Londinium? If you join our Patreon, you get on our Discord, which is a great place. It's a good place to be, yeah. <laughs> and then we like to talk about what kind of game is suitable for the setting, and we said it a couple times. Multiple if you, times. If you weren't suspense. Some places, like Barovia or Darkon or Londinium are these massive settings with f- huge, you know, <laughs> dozens of NPCs, dozens of plot hooks. You could have a years-long game there. Others, like last month's Santa Cecilia, are really like one adventure. Or even more so the previous month's Toy Story. Yes, yes, yes. But they're like, they're a short, they're like one session, three sessions. There's kind of one core adventure. Santa Cecilia had some variants... But it was not like a Curse of Strahd level, you are in Barovia for three years of gameplay. Mm-hmm. And this is, you are in Londinium for three years of gameplay. Yes. This is just a full campaign. You could all make PCs that are native to Londinium. You could go to no other domains, mm-hmm. just Londinium, and you could have years of gameplay yes. just in Victorian London. 
and there are entire RPG lines that are Victorian mysteries. Cube, I think it's Cubicle 7, is coming out with a 5e version of their game. There's kind of steampunk Victoriana. Oh, nice. So that's even going to give you a bunch of possible stuff you could port over in 5e. You know, White Wolf did Vampire by Gaslight and Mage by Gaslight, and there's Cthulhu by Gaslight. And Got just Mask of the Red Mask Death, of the Red if, Death. You're, if yeah. you're running, you know, the older stuff. A lot of that's available on... DMs Guild has some Mask of the Red Death stuff. I need to warn you, if it does if it has a three ebook, the mystic rules are unusable. <laughs> They're literally she tried. I tried, yeah. She tried it's, so hard. They had two different versions of it and they didn't decide on one before it went to print. It's bad. <laughs> there's there's libraries of people doing Sherlock Holmes with a supernatural twist. Mm -hmm. Like, just not even Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes with a supernatural yes. twist. You could have just uh, there's so much to do here. And then we've even gone through and said it's not just the city. Like, that, the city's enough. Yeah. But we've said it's like a city-state. So you can have... You track a get Radigan's gang of smugglers to a quiet seaside village with a dark secret. Mm -hmm. You track... You know, Radigan is tangled up with some goings-ons in the moors involving a mansion and a mysterious ha ghost hound that's menacing. <laughs> that's menacing the new lord of this estate. Mm -hmm. You have so many possibilities. Yeah. But we see the core adventure, and this is less the case in a place like Santa Cecilia. I think the core adventure is going to be you're entangled in Radigan's psychodrama. Mm -hmm. You have multiple adventures dealing with him. And that he's like, he might be deliberately leveling you up. Mm -hmm, yeah, like, well, like we were talking about previously, mm -hmm. you know, he's maybe he's like chosen you to be his new opponent. Maybe he's trying to use you to get Basil. Uh -huh. Maybe maybe he sees you as a distraction. Right, this, yeah. This is, this is all about Basil. Who cares about these guys? But whatever the case may be. And, you're his rebound boyfriend. <laughs> and then you've got the, the natural plot arc of you're building up this like a plan to blow up the ocean. Or like <laughs> set London on fire. Or open up a gate to the netherworld or replace the queen with a robot or like some just absurdly mm -hmm. over the top super villainy, you know, build an electro ray and hold the city hostage like <laughs> that he is like, this is going to flush Basil out. Like, this is going to finally be the thing that's so bad, it's going to force Basil to come out of hiding and confront me. Attack the city with a cattle stampede? Yeah, exactly. Cattle stampede. <laughs> if he gets the right deed, land deed. But, but Basil's not there, and you have to stop it. And I would, of course, if I were running this, be dropping hints that Basil is alive, and that mm -hmm. Basil's helping you. Like, you would... And this is the great thing. The Basil is alive is the perfect excuse for you, the GM, to give them hints if they're stuck. Or to give them, like, some guidance if they're stuck. Or maybe he's not alive. Yes. Maybe he's a ghost. It's perfect. It's perfect. You could square the circle. If if, they're, if your PCs get really invested in, is Basil alive or dead? And you're like, I, I don't have a... It's either going to be yes or no. You have a great third option. A, a yes but, which is, no, Basil died, but his ghost is opposing Radigan. Yeah. And that could be the oh wow we were both right. And then by defeating Radigan, maybe you know if if you're if you're doing a thing where Radigan has like Dawson or Olivia or somebody hostage, and you rescue them, then you help put Basil to rest. Right, right. Yeah. But just you you could have even the yes, but you could have the third option of the two of the binary. But Basil, you have this great plot device for the PCs are stuck, and you know they're stuck, and they get a mysterious envelope with a clue in it. 
or like they're stuck, they can't, they're locked in the in the dungeon, and like mysteriously the door opens, mm-hmm. and you can just have this like helper shadowing their steps and giving them, helping them out, and it's not going to be like obnoxious or intrusive if the sort of you hint at the end that it was Basil. Like, I absolutely would do the the constabulary is leading Radigan away in chains. And they, like, kind of hear a noise and they look up and in the alley there's a shadow of a man in a deerstalker hat and mm-hmm. with a pipe. And he kind of tips his deerstalker to them and steps into the shadows and vanishes. And they're like, oh, wow! <laughs> yeah! That's how I five. So that's what we see sort of the core story here, the kind of equivalent of protecting a Tatiana reincarnation from Strahd, I would consider a part of that to be the sort of hinting that Basil's alive and helping behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily. Yeah. Like, that's just my, how I would run it. And the, once again, with this being such a broad thing, the great thing is that the finding a Tatiana reincarnation and helping mm-hmm. equivalent is so broad. Like, Radigan is up to something. Yeah, he has like, a plan. He has a plan. It is a it's bad, bad plan. This could be a plan that spans multiple sessions mm-hmm. over the course of several years. Or he can have several plans of escalating complexity. You could totally have the, like, he has all these jobs and you thwart the job, but he got, like, the crystal and you, like, he, yeah, you thwarted yeah. the thing, but it wasn't really about mm-hmm, the mummy's mm-hmm. tomb. It was really about the, like, alloys that he's building his lightning gun. Yeah. He's going to use to put a, put on Big Ben and hold the city hostage. <laughs> and just have that great sort of like season of a cartoon like like plot structure yeah. of like there's the individual cases but he always had this wider plan in the background and you're, you're thwarting the individual crimes but he is building up, you're finding these clues that he's got this wider agenda these crimes are about. But now we've, we've mentioned a couple older pieces of material that this connects to. And I feel like that's got to be it, right, Rachel? There's not, like, more older <laughs> ma- you could say about the connection to the older material. Or am I mistaken? Oh, where to even begin? <laughs> monkey pants. Uh, there, are, there are at least three domains that this connects to, like, really tightly, and that's not even getting into where we're having to stretch. So... The first one, like the clearest one, the one that we keep mentioning, uh-huh. well, one of the two that we keep mentioning over and over again, and by we, I mean I. <laughs> <laughs> the royal we. Like Queen Maustoria. Yes. Is Nova Vasa. And you know, once again, Nova Vasa in the older material, it was kind of like Rick von Karkov. It was trying to do too much. It was yeah. like Jekyll and Hyde, but also... Hyde is a criminal mastermind, like gang leader, but also horses. Yeah. And also the Great Plains, the, the, Great Ru- Plains. the Russian yeah. steps. <laughs> so, the vast glory of America's Great Plains. <laughs> so, like, if you skip to the aging up section just really briefly, it was, you know, you had the, the Hyde character was a criminal mastermind and a serial killer simultaneously and it made no sense because they have completely different psychologies but here if you wanted to do that you could actually make it work because he does have two completely different psychologies but they're both bad and one of them is like rational and one of them isn't so you can do those duality themes you can have that like crime boss type character kind of like Malkin if you want to just you know honestly I can't stand Nova Vasa mm-hmm. and 
if apologies I, to our Nova Vasa if, fans. Yeah, out there. if if there are any Nova Vasa fans out there, please let me know. Let me know what you like about it. I have never met anyone who liked Nova Vasa. <laughs> um, and it just, just let, let me know what you like about it. Let me see it through your eyes. It is better to like things than not like them. But I've I've never met anyone who liked Nova Vasa. I would just put Londinium where Nova Vasa is <laughs> and have Radigan be Malkin. And then there was all this stuff in the older material about how Malkin was the big crime lord. He had all these, you know, spidery tendrils going through the other domains, like trying to expand his operation and this and that. You can have Radigan in that place instead. Uh. So once again, one of the plot hooks that we had was you catch one of Radigan's operatives who's like kind of like trying to bring some kind of smuggling operation into Darkon or mm -hmm. whatever, and that, and that takes you into Londinium. And you could do that here. If you did want to do that, then I would replace Nova Vasa with Londinium entirely, because if you have both Malkin and Radigan, then Radigan's going to have a new rival. It's mm -hmm. not going to be Basil, it's not going to be someone who's trying to like foil him and get him arrested, but he's going to have someone else that he's matching wits with. It's just going to be that which of them is going to be the, the greatest criminal mind mm -hmm. of the core. Core's greatest criminal mind. mind. Unless your plot hook is that he, you know, is still kind of small potatoes at this point and is trying to get Malkin's attention, yeah, which can yeah. be fun. Malkin is his rebound boyfriend. Honestly, like a gang war, mm. a like cross core gang war could be a real cool, like, that could be cool, meta yeah. plot thing to be mm -hmm. happening. That like Malkin's got his empire. And there's this upstart from Londinium mm -hmm. is muscling in. Yeah. And, you know, of course, all the innocents are caught in the crossfire. Mm -hmm. So that, like, kind of gives your PCs a ton of reasons to get invested. And that could be a really cool, like, thread to follow to get them to Londinium. Now that we're saying this, that is really cool. And as long as Radigan never realized that Malkin could be a replacement for Basil, mm -hmm. that's what matters. Mm -hmm. But what, what matters is that Radigan sees Malkin and says, okay, now I have a new rival. Mm -hmm. If he never sees Malkin as being his new Basil, then he's still going to be, he's not going to be looking at what he has. Right. He's going to be too busy looking back at what he had. How <laughs> <laughs> can you go look at your new boyfriend? And just like, you could totally see the whole like, well, I'll throw myself into work to keep myself busy. Mm, of yeah, like, this is yeah. why suddenly Radigan's going crazy, expanding his empire. Mm -hmm. He's trying to like keep <laughs> himself busy. He's like, this is just, this is a project mm -hmm. to keep myself busy, so I don't have to mourn Basil. <laughs> okay, never. I, I take back everything <laughs> I said. Have both Radigan and Malkin. This is fabulous. <laughs> I just there's so many ways to get PCs then into that story. And even you have this wonderful, you, know, you could do your classic, like, look, Malkin's bad, but he was one empire, he was one mob. Mm -hmm. This is a gang war, this is worse. Like, this is so many more people are dying every week mm -hmm. in the fights between these two guys. We need to stop this. Yeah. Like, we need to, I hate, we need to restore the status quo, but the status quo was better than this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. The other one we keep mentioning yeah. over and over again is uh, Paradon slash Zerissia, which, again, it was, like, there was a cluster that was Zerissia, and the London city on top was a domain called Paradon, and it had the sewers underneath, which were a domain called Timur. Um, so I think it's I think it's just Zerissia yeah. in uh, Fabi. And they mention there's a city of Paradon. Yeah. So that's, that's why I keep using them interchangeably. That was the Jack the Ripper domain of the older material. Um, and it was really good 
It had a frustratingly tiny write-up in 5e. It was the old London by Gaslight setting, so if you have any older stuff, you can really easily port it over and put it into Londinium. Mm. And the great thing is, Hour of the Knife, the uh, Jack the Ripper Paradon mod, is available on DMs Guild, Mm. so you can get that. And there was a fan mod called Shadow of the Knife that was a sequel to that that's really good. I've run it. It's spectacular and you can get that for free because it's a fan mod and this so this was like Ravenloft Jack the Ripper yeah. and they made that paradigm if I remember correctly they mm-hmm. made that like setting that like big Victorian steamy gaslight setting just to, to do this yes. it was like it was a a setting built to support an adventure and nothing about paradigm is so unique that you couldn't just almost mm-hmm. port the adventure wholesale into Londinium. Yeah. Like, you could you could do a lot of just taking that as an adventure and running it in Londinium instead, and if you wanted to do this Jack the Ripper-inspired story. Yeah, because spoilers for Hour of the Knife, but the original Dark Lord of Paradon was a doppelganger, and so the whole idea with Jack the Ripper was that there wasn't one Jack the Ripper, it was a group of doppelgangers, and it was this magical knife that was harvesting life energy. Mm. So Jack the Ripper could be anyone, because he was a shape changer. And you could really easily just have that be a cult that's in Londinium with writing it as a mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if you, you know, converse if you're a grognard who really loves Sodo, the, the original Dark Lord of Paradon, for whatever reason, then you can have Radigan be a uh, be an NPC in Paradon. That works too. And then the other one, the other obvious domain link that I cannot believe we haven't mentioned so far, uh-huh. because it's so obvious that we would have mentioned it by this point if Novavasa and Paradon hadn't been so perfect, is Rishmalo. Right. Because we're rat. It's a we're rat domain. It's our other we're rat Dark Lord. Um, We've got crime. We've got Victorian London. We've got were-rats. <laughs> the older stuff, instead of it being like the, the plague theme, it was much more of a kind of like a duplicity rats in the walls kind of thing, which again is a thing that you could do really, really easily here. The kind of the idea that everyone is eavesdropping, mm-hmm. everyone's listening in We're on you. Working for Radigan. Every- mm-hmm. If you wanted to have Radigan not be the only were-rat, then, then you could have there be rats that are listening to the walls. I wouldn't want there to be too many were-rats because we need that sense of isolation. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to have it be that there are literally rats in the walls listening, mm-hmm. you can do that. And then you know, Radigan, he despises them. He feels superior to them because he is the superior mind. Mm-hmm. But he's still willing to use them. You could have there be sewers full of rat monsters, well, yeah. you know, the, the, which was a thing that Old Malo had, you know, kind of, again, bringing in the creepiness of London sewers and everything. Mm, great dungeon. Great dungeon. You know, once again, you're tying into that duality theme because up above you have this beautiful city, but underneath it's hideous and full of rats. Also, I don't know what kind of relationship he and Jacqueline Rainier have, but I know it's interesting because either they're, like, writing each other love letters uh. all the time. Or they hate each other because of his self-loathing, and he looks at Jacqueline Rainier, and all he sees is, why can't you see what horrible monsters we mm-hmm. are? But either way, it's going to be really interesting. There was a thing in 3rd edition, It's this was kind of the um, the genesis of the Gnaws, the Gnawing mm-hmm. Plague, was Jacqueline Rainier, instead of trying to do a plague like that, she wanted to do a plague that would turn everyone in Rishmolo into a were under her control. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like the big thing she was trying to engineer. I could see Radigan doing something like that because if everyone's aware of then no one's better than him. Uh-huh. So that's another that's another fun final scheme for Radigan since Jacqueline Rainier's not using it anymore. <laughs> and this is the thing with Radigan that we keep saying and it keeps being true that he could just be an NPC. And the great thing is almost any of these domains, well, except Nova Vasa, hmm. like 
a criminal mastermind, Napoleon of crime, crime boss, NPC, adds a really lot of mm-hmm. spice to the mix. Like, to Rishmalu. You could have Rishmalu as it is in the 5e write-up, and they just add in, oh, and there is this criminal mastermind who runs the underworld named Professor Radigan. He's like sometimes an ally, sometimes an enemy of Jacqueline Rainier. And that mm-hmm. just adds a lot of spice to the mix and gives your players some really interesting potential sort of political interactions to get involved with. Yeah. Good lord, the section is still happening. <laughs> okay, almost done. We're almost done. Okay, almost done. Because there's one other thing we have yeah, to talk we have about. we have to talk about. We have to talk about Alan Cray. Crime, plus Victorian London, plus Were-Rats, plus Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Equals the domain we have just made, and are those four things are already in Ravenloft. I, I, I hope you're not sick of my voice yet, dear listeners, because yeah, right. boy howdy, this section's Keep, real long. Uh, going on. <laughs> so, Alanic Ray, you could have him be the Basil. If you have him be the Basil, you could actually kind of play through this whole Reichenbach Falls thing. Uh-huh. He's an NPC in the beginning of your game. He mentions Radigan a few times, and then he dies. Because there isn't a canonical Moriarty. Yes, it's a great space to fill. If we have a canonical Ravenloft Sherlock Holmes equivalent and a, and a Watson equivalent, but we do not have a Moriarty equivalent. Yeah. And the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft Adventurers League campaign. That's a lot of words. <laughs> the premise is Alan Ecarae's the quest giver. Mm-hmm. Like, you all get hired by him... And you get sent on missions, and that's kind of how they have it be this sort of domain hopping, Kingdom Hearts style. Like, you get your, like, adventure in each domain. And if you were running that campaign or adapting that campaign, you have this pre-existing relationship to Alan Ecarae. So it'd be really easy to run that. I'd have him occasionally drop a few lines about Professor Radigan, mm-hmm. his arch, the Napoleon of crime. <laughs> or the, the whatever the Ravenloft equivalent of Napoleon is of crime. The world's greatest criminal mind. It's not the Dracon, yeah, I'll right. tell you that. The, the, the Strahd von Zarovich of crime. <laughs> and then do a Reichenbach Falls and have like the gut punch of finding out that Radigan's killed Alanek. And then you can, you know, oh, we gotta, we gotta go to Londinium and like take it up. Mm-hmm. So you could really easily have this as a kind of sequel to that uh, Van Richten's. I think it's called Mist Hunters Mm -hmm. uh, Adventures League campaign. And uh, if you do decide to go this route, uh, you know, we're talking about aging up, possibly bad things happening to Dawson. Tread carefully if you're going to have something bad happen to Arthur Sedgwick because they are the only, you know, wholesome, healthy gay couple (laughs) in in Canon Ravenloft. That we are are aware of. That we are aware of. We haven't read the Adventures League campaign. Maybe (laughs) maybe there's, like, some nice lesbians in it. We don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know... We've got, like, has, like, and his dead portal boyfriend. <laughs> now, this is, this is, this is the one good gay couple, so, you so just, know. Just, uh, kid, kid, yeah. Careful, careful. <laughs> so, unless, I think that's everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we like to wrap up our discussion of this domain with talking about some of the strengths and challenges. And I just have a lot of random things written in strengths. It's amazing! <laughs> Uh, it's great. It's the best. This is an iconic horror setting. This is just a major, major setting of horror literature, of gothic literature. This is a chance to draw in some of the major pieces of the gothic canon. Like Jekyll and Hyde, they're not really there in current Ravenloft. They're not super well executed at older Ravenloft. 
And it is, especially with 5e, it's a really unfulfilled niche because they didn't have mm-hmm. a major section, a major write-up on Paradon. So there is, there is a Vasa so much. massive space in 5e Ravenloft for a Victorian London by Gaslight, Jack the Ripper, Sherlock Holmes setting. And Vincent Price! <laughs> like, I cannot think of a higher yes. recommendation in that. And the ending of the strengths just says Vincent Price exclamation point. <laughs> but there are some challenges... There and we, are. we touched on these and we said we'd circle back to them. I think this is the last stuff we said we'd circle back to. <laughs> so here we are at the end, circling back. It's bigger off the rest of an episode. Yeah, right. If you are doing the older stuff, then there is overlap. Like, if you're not doing any of the older stuff, this isn't a problem at all. But if you are doing the older stuff, there's a chance that you're listening and going, this is great, we just finished a giant dark and paradon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that case, there's, there's a bunch of overlap there. And then the other thing that we keep talking about this and that we kept saying, you know, if you keep thinking that Radigan sounds super annoying as a villain, put a pin in that because yeah. you're going to get to it in challenge. Taking the pins out, guys. Radigan has the potential to be super annoying as a villain. Yes. Just, it's really frustrating as a PC to have the villain who always knows what you're doing, the villain who you find out you were secretly working for yeah, the whole yeah. time. Like, there's... there's Manipulating you every step of the yeah, way. If you don't play this right then there's a chance that your PCs are going to feel punked. In our our friend and occasional co-host Chris's podcast, Mega Dumbcast, which you should not listen to around your children, but you but should listen you to should not listen around to your children. It's not around your children. There was a season about a supplement for the Street... I think it was Street Fighter RPG. Mm-hmm. And it was... What was the exact thing? M. Bison is manipulating the PCs. Uh-huh. And they are bu- puppets on Bison's string. <laughs> right. And Chris had a whole thing about the PCs wait, wait, don't want to be... Yeah, so, so, someone, on, someone on Twitter misheard this as butt puppets. Yes. And thus this phrase was born. <laughs> Your PCs never want to be butt puppets. <laughs> and that's just especially Dungeons & Dragons PCs, the proactivity... And the freedom and the autonomy is a huge part of the power fantasy. Yes. So even more than in like real life, real life, it would be disappointing to find out you had this mastermind <laughs> manipulating you. But part of you would be like, eh, okay. But the, the fantasy of Dungeons and Dragons is you are not the kind of person who is a butt puppet. Yes. So be careful. And it, it also, it also you know, it violates the social contract with yes. the GM that it says, ha ha ha, all right, I guess I've been manipulating you. It's ha ha ha, I've been manipulating you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't listen to it with your kids. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to link to the episode about yes. the butt puppets in the show notes because Chris has some interesting thoughts there about how you could actually do that storyline mm. well. The short version of this basically is make sure, if he, if he is manipulating the PCs all along, that the things he's getting them to do are things they would have done anyway. Mm-hmm. That they still have agency, that they're still making choices. Yeah. You know, they are in fact investigating to see whether or not Basil's alive. Right. Like, when they're fouling up Radigan's plans, they're legitimately fouling up his plans. And like, he's kind of happy that they're fouling up his plans, but he's also kind of annoyed. Mm-hmm. There's a, a really good way around this, too, if you don't want it to constantly be Radigan in charge, is his temper. I think that's the key. Yeah. That's the key. You, you, if you're feeling like a butt puppet, then you can get around Radigan and you, you can get his temper to show and then his entire plan falls apart. Yeah, you you get you get under his skin, you call him a rat, mm-hmm. you wear rats out, and it messes up his entire... Like, yeah. no, we, we got him. You, you ruined his day. And even just, like, our experience was with him showed us 
he is so sensitive about this. We know exactly what button to push to make him fly off the handle and ruin his plan. Yeah. And that's a, that's a victory. That's a win. Mm-hmm. That's a good feeling. Yeah. Once again, continuing our generational <laughs> wow, bingo. Wow, yeah. that's a real bingo card episode. It is a bingo card episode, but I, I, all I have written here is Gargoyles versus Young Justice. <laughs> two, two Greg Wiseman shows, yes. both of which had a whole thing with a, a mastermind who, who was always ahead of things. Mm. If, if you've run into the uh, the Xanatos Gambit yes. on, uh, on TV tropes, and that's where this comes from. And in Gargoyles, you had Xanatos, who was always the, the villain who was in charge of everything. In Young Justice, I almost rage quit season one because you had this conspiracy called Delight that was in charge of everything, and they were so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I hated them so much. And the, the difference was that you would get at the end of episodes of Gargoyles, you would get Xanatos saying, well, that didn't go the way I planned it to, but I can still throw it to my advantage. Mm-hmm. Or like, well, I got this thing. I got it. this thing out of it. Or is it the end of Young Justice, you'd have the, the Young Justice would say that they'd won, and then you'd get, you know, Lex Luthor and Rachel Ghoul sitting around going, they think they won, but they played right into our hands. To heck with you! Yeah, yeah. Go fly a kite! Why am I watching? Why yeah. am I watching these guys be butt puppets? Yeah. <laughs> so, have it be that Radigan is plucking victory from the jaws of defeat. Yeah, they are legitimately yes. the war. Like, if you watch Gargoyles, and you should, it's on Disney Plus, it's great. It's great. Maybe coming soon. Uh, the, <laughs> I hope so. We got some ideas. The Lord is a Dark Lord. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. The access code is alone. <laughs> okay, it's gonna happen. All yeah. right. Just, just, get, just get, get off our back. Um, <laughs> the Gargoyles legitimately thwart Xanatos' plans. Yes. It's not just, oh, all of this was a mastermind. It's no, Xanatos had a plan the gargoyles overcome it, but Xanatos is able to make that work, is able to get, as you said, a victory from the jaws of defeat, or is able to say, well, but there's this upside that I can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Before our rejo- we rejoin our narrator and find out the very different domain she is going to, <laughs> kind of the opposite of this. We, dear listeners... This is, this is going to be a little bit of a departure for <laughs> us um, in that it is not a Disney animated movie, mm-hmm. which we normally do, but in the spirit of December, it's, it's going to be... The spirit of the holiday yeah, season. Yeah, spirit of the holiday season. Where can they reach out to us and tell us what is great about Nova Vasa or... <laughs> <laughs> what other genres of horror they yes. ran in London in? Well, you can email us at wonderfulworldofdarklords at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or Tumblr at Wonderful World of Dark Lords. And you can find us on our Patreon at Wonderful World of Dark Lords 651. I have no idea why the 651 is there, but it is. There you go. And if you were saying yourself, wow, they did a really good job adapting this fun Disney cartoon Sherlock Holmes movie into a horror setting, then I have a couple of things on DMs Guild. There's, of course, going to be the write-up to this domain. It's going to have our chart of Radigan plans, including stealing the crown jewels. <laughs> but I also have a couple of horror movies that I've adapted into adventures. Some of them, like Ravenloft, Curse of Strahd specific, but also setting neutral versions. If you want to do that, just search for more by this author from the show notes uh, link, or just search for Tom Kohler. And if you like how we are sensitive to younger, the emotional 
you know, concerns of younger viewers with Basil being dead. We have a couple of really good resources for running spookier, more kind of horror, Halloween-adjacent stuff with younger players that you should really check out. And speaking of spooky things for younger people, I have a picture book, Mother Ghost, Nursery Rams for Little Monsters. It's exactly what it sounds like. For spooky things for older people, you can go to my website, www.rachelkohler.com, where I have various short stories that are kind of in the dark fantasy horror comedy, you know, kind of our thing. You kind of get our deal. You get our deal. Until next time, until that surprising December domain century rolls around. Fox is now owned by Disney, which makes this a Disney movie. Yes, it does. Thank you for listening, and happy gaming. Parting thoughts. I conducted further research into Basil's death, all of which I have attached. But while his body was never found, there is no evidence that he is still present in Londinium, alive or undead. It could be that Radigan is so mired in paranoia that he cannot believe his hated foe is dead, but the expression I saw on his face was not one of hatred. Perhaps the two were friends or lovers before they found themselves on opposite sides of the law? <sighs> the sight of those captured, frightened children gnawed at me. Between losing the memories of my family in Sunnyside, my strange encounter with the Alabrije in Santa Cecilia, and now these children, I found myself desperately missing my family. I needed a resupply anyway. Perhaps I could do so in Salem. I held my mist talisman, a small pumpkin, and entered the mists with home in mind, but my thoughts were scattered. My niece's face was replaced with that of one of the handmaids from the Queenswood, my brother's with the frozen gaze of Princess Anna. When the mists parted, I was not standing in Salem. I was in a wealthy house, one that had been ransacked by bandits. Furniture was overturned, and a yule tree was stripped of all its decorations and gifts. The bandits had broken the windows, leaving the house at the mercy of the elements, and I stood ankle-deep in rainwater. I had not arrived home. With my distraction, I made my family disappear. Regards, D. Should my little servant continue to act indignant and foolish every time she receives constructive criticism, she may condemn herself to wander aimlessly through these misty realms forever, never to return to the family she longs to see. Anger distracts the mind, and traversing the mist requires diligent focus lest one be led astray. My scholar's scrupulous report provided a wealth of information that entertained me for quite some time, despite the unnecessary, exhaustive descriptions. Though you are not privy to my interest in these realms, I expect you to exert logic when approaching your research into the domains and their dread lords. Something much like Rattigan, my servant often lacks when overcome with emotion. Whereas Rattigan is misguided by his wrath, my servant often succumbs to nostalgia. Do not mistake my observations of your character for insult. It discredits us both. Utilize all of the tools at your disposal and let reason guide you. As for Rattigan, 
He has built a criminal empire and controls every aspect of Londinium from his throne of refuse. Most crime lords would be satisfied with such an achievement. Vatican, the self-proclaimed greatest criminal mind, craves more than power. He desires undeniable proof that his mind triumphs over all others. However, with no worthy adversary to challenge him, the game, as the professor has been known to call it, grows stale. This has been The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. We have no affiliation with Disney or Wizards of the Coast. All music recordings used in this episode are on the public domain and were obtained through MuseOpen.org. Titles and links are in the show notes. Dialogue for Yensid was written by Azalyn Rex himself, who you can follow on Tumblr at DarkLordAzalyn. The Wonderful World of Dark Lords logo was designed by Haylight Jones. You can find links to their work in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, look for us on Patreon.com or find our tip jar on Red Circle. Thanks for listening! Future Rachel is going to come in with a more detailed <laughs> content warning and how far to skip the heck ahead if you have kids in the room. Now, Hey folks, Future Ripper here. You know, Jack the Ripper cut out the <laughs> and the <laughs> and burn him in the fire. <laughs> <laughs>